Ladies first. Wow. Oh, Nelson. Wow. You're going to make me cry already. Stop it. What an amazing turnout. We weren't sure how many would come. We weren't sure if we had enough seats or we had too many. But look at you. Let's give you all a massive round of applause for coming out for the awesome. final event. I don't really know where to start. Um, it's gonna, we've got a great lineup of speakers, so we'll try not to take up too much of your time up front. Um, and we've got a great musician as well who's going to open up with um, a song that I'm sure you're all very, very familiar with. Um, Calvin, what do you want to update people on? Or I want to call it the Stuff Reporter because I do that. If you're in the audience, what's her name? Yes, yeah, is Scara Bonnie here by any chance? We did invite her because you may have seen she wrote a very scathing piece uh, and stuff uh, on on Saturday. She did actually invite us to make comment, but we were travelling up the west coast and the internet was intermittent. She had a very tight deadline, and unfortunately, we didn't get back to her in time. But we did say, when we're in Nelson, we'll be happy to have a sit-down interview with you. And we'll tape it. Um, yeah, and you're welcome to come to the event. But obviously, she hasn't taken us up on that offer. Are there any other mainstream media uh, reporters or journalists in the audience? Yeah, government propagandists. That want to make themselves yeah. known. Well, when you put it like that, I'm sure they're not going to put their hand up. Um, You've got to say it for how it is, though. Yeah. But anyway, the other thing we should also um, bring your attention to, I don't know if you are aware that... Um, the RSA came out uh, against us as well because uh, the, the great people of Greymouth and the great RSA actually allows you to hire their hall. Um, and of course, they are not endorsing our event at all, but they lovingly let us use their uh, facilities. And um, we had a great event there. But of course, the trolls came out trying to shut that down. But the, the local Greymouth president stood strong. Um, it was the national one that came out, and they're also now accusing us of um, copyright infringement because of um, the poppy, apparently. Po apparently, that is owned by the Of course, it's nothing like this, so they can get stuffed. <laughs> yes, so, um, yes, and then the in, in Wanaka, we had a great um, event down there in the hall, and the local app there called the Wanaka app um, came out after our event and another event... Um, that was promoting the book Jab in the Dark, that book tour. Because of those two events, the uh, Queenstown Lakes District Council is now reviewing its hiring policy. So um, this is what's happening up and down the country. We knew it would happen, um, but you may also not have heard already that in, in Dunedin and in Vicargo, we had about probably, I think it was about four or five venues in the end um, actually cancel our bookings. Because but of course in the media, they said we got run out of these um uh, event places. We have to actually make it into there to get run out, so that was a bit lame. But the, all the events did carry on, so we had um, 24 originally booked and then we added another two on Porirua and Ashburton, and um, Nelson, you're lucky last, so um, hopefully you'll enjoy uh, what we have to offer tonight. Yeah, just back to the RSA national guy, what the hell are you doing, you clown? We're standing up trying to save lives here, while you and are shitting on the memories of those who died. They were trying to save this country from the front door what these clowns in Parliament are leading in the back. And they're doing it without any fear of reprisals. Why? Because people like you don't bother to look at what's going on around you. Most of you are bought and fucking paid for. And I'm sick to death of constantly taking the attack. Actually, I'm not really mind taking the attacks, to be honest. It's free advertising. But... We're sick of seeing so much carnage. We've gone from the top of the country, down both sides, 
back and come back up the side here and we have seen carnage like you wouldn't believe businesses destroyed lives torn apart people dead people checking out early that you're now calling accidental death so it doesn't raise the suicide rate through the bloody roof sudden adult death syndrome where the hell did that who, who pulled that out of their ass yeah long COVID. All the shit to describe jab injuries. None of this crap happened until someone started jabbing everything in sight. So there's a lot of stuff happening that needs to come out and we will carry on doing it and we will shut you down because we now have the narrative, you've lost it and the people know it. And they also tried to say that we were somehow comparing ourselves to our forebears who lost their lives in the war. We, we know we have it easy compared to what they did. Like We're not comparing ourselves at all. We're just saying that we're going to continue the fight for freedom, like Calvin said, that they gave the ultimate sacrifice for. So, um, you know, they're just trying. If that's all they've got to come at us with, then hey, they, they know they, they don't have that much. Apart from, of course, you lot apparently are white supremacists because you come and look at white supremacists. You've got imported ideology. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. And it's all conspiracy theory. Well, we're not conspiracy theorists. We're conspiracy factualists. It's a fact there's a conspiracy against you all and we are letting it be known. Yeah, so that was, of course, um, one of the biggest uh, attacks on us is the whole, you know, and it's just a divide and conquer thing, right? Like they're just constantly trying to divide us but they are starting to realise that they are, we're filling out halls. Pretty much every single venue we've been to has been like this. It's been standing room only. And it's just been phenomenal. We've been to, um, collecting stories down the back. So if you would like to be part of that and tell your story, whether you've got someone who passed away because of the jab or a jab injury or you've been mandated out of a job, please add it to the bunting down there and please add it in the book because we really want to show the carnage out there and it, yeah if you'd like to um, be part of the documentary as well that we're filming we'd really like to hear your story so um, be sure to see the girls down the back so we will do this poll that we've been doing um, up and down the country just to see because this has gone out live and to me this is better than the coma Bronson polls because it's actually real because you guys are real and um, when we ask these questions just keep your hands up if it applies because we want to show New Zealand and the world, because this is life through the world, exactly what's happening here, that the government won't let anyone else know. So if there's any reporters here, you better start reporting shit properly. <laughs> so the first question is, how many of you know somebody um, who has had an adverse reaction to this so-called vaccine, jab, gene therapy, bioweapon? Okay, keep that hand up and put your second hand up if you know more than one person. Wow. There you go, Jacinda. As I keep saying, there's your poll. Okay, I'll That's just, what's really happening. Keep them up. I'll just take a photo as well. That's crazy. And this is, this is remin, uh, remnants. Oh, this is exactly the same as what we get across the country in every hall. So no one can tell us this isn't real. The next question is, how many of you know somebody who has uh, passed away within a very short space of time after having the jab? Still a few. Yeah. And how many of you yourselves have been mandated out of a job or out of education or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Cass, yes. We'll be touching on her as well. 
Um, and then how many of you know somebody who died of COVID? What they're calling COVID. Okay, so we've got one person, just so you all know. There's one person who knows somebody. Okay. Now, how many of you yourselves actually did a test, uh, PCR or rat test, and actually um, tested positive for what they call COVID? Okay, and you're all still here. Well, you're not dead. <laughs> and I'm going to assume that uh, the rest of you just never bothered to take a test, but you may have had the cold or flu. <laughs> yeah. Because as we keep saying, and I'll say it again, I'm still waiting to be proved wrong. See, we get attacks on um, all sorts of fronts, but we never get attacked on the facts and evidence we bring at all. We ask for the unredacted Pfizer contract she signed us up to. Because believe me, in that contract, there's a whole lot of jabs that they have to meet KPIs on. So you're the hardware, your jab will be the software upgrade. You're going to be medical junkies by the end of it. There's I one wanna, more question. Yeah, I want to know who got coerced into taking the jab. See, because you people, it's like playing Russian roulette with a shotgun. You're going to get it either way. If you don't take it, you lose your home, family, businesses, all that sort of thing, right? And if you do, and you get the wrong batch, three to five years, you're dead. So let's hope we can actually identify the people who have been jabbed and try to get them as much help as we can, because this stuff isn't going to stop. So, so do you, were you coerced or do you know somebody who was coerced yeah. to get the jab that didn't want to? Yes, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> or two hands if you know more than one. Yeah. And that is criminal. See, that is criminal. Not your hands. You put your hands up in criminal, but <laughs> the reaction, see? And the final question we've been asking um, is how many of you know someone who has either attempted to or has actually been successful in committing suicide in the last two years? Which is what they're calling accidental deaths now. Because there have been a lot of suicides and it's very, very sad what's happening. And they someone are down suicides. Here has two. Yep. They are suicides and not accidental deaths. Yeah. So that's just a quick snippet of um, what we've been seeing up and down the country. So, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to say before? We're going to come back on at the end. We've got a whole lot of thank yous that we need to do. Um, of course, you know, thank you um, to the AMP Showgrounds because apparently they've been doing really good. They've been obviously hosting the um, Freedom Market, so and um, they're standing really strong. So let's give them a round of applause. Are you asking about people who may have committed suicide because of the not having a mandated vaccine, but the side effect, the loss of their home, or the impact on their family, they've therefore maybe committed suicide because of that? Correct. So they've been strong on not having the vaccine, but the side effects have impacted them, they've been homeless. Anyone who's checked that early to do with anything to do with a scam? Not, we haven't been that specific. So yeah. you're saying, is there anyone who's committed suicide? People who may have committed suicide because they have chosen not to take yeah. the vaccine, no. they've lost their job, they've been kicked out of their rental home or their yeah. home and home, the impact on their family, and that has caused them the grief that caused them to take their own life. So they haven't actually had a side effect. Yeah, we've been rolling it all into one. Yeah. Okay. Because... Um, Suicide, it's so hard suicide. to tell, isn't it? Yeah. There's so many factors. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
Remember, COVID-19 is like a brand name, like Nike or Chanel Number no. 5. It doesn't exist. It never did. It's never been isolated from any patient anywhere in the world. It was done on the back of a faulty PCR test, cycled way out. A small amount of um, RNA was found. They put it in a computer near the best results money can buy. Made people shit scared. They raced off to get the jab, and that is what started the pandemic. The jab is killing everyone. Not so bullshit, fictitious virus. Yeah, and we can definitely... And we're still know. waiting to be proved wrong on that, by the way. And there's lots of discussion, obviously, amongst people about exactly what's happening with um, gain of function and, and, the, and the whole tech, biotech industry. But what we, what we, I think, have come to understand, and probably many of you, is that it is going towards transhumanism. Are you all familiar with that? Yeah. yeah. So we won't go into all of that, but yeah, that's kind of where it's heading. Um, and obviously you're all part of the, the resistance and the resilience to, to keep humans human. That's right. Um, they said the New World Order would be naked, run into the finish line, and shit, a she starkers. Yeah. So, should we, without... Hang on, I've got to pull my oh, funny. Yeah. I decided to do this in the car park. Right. See, Superman wears an S, right? When he's, uh, and he's the superpowers, everyone knows what his superpowers are. We have the question mark. <laughs> we question everything. So um, on that note, we do globally. have some new thermals down the back that have just come to Nelson. So you guys are the only so ones that are going to get access to that um, merchandise. So if you'd like a thermal, a counterspin thermal, please go and see the girls down the back. Um, and of course, if you haven't already, please think about um, making a donation on, on your way out because, of course, this is by the people for the people. And it's you guys who are actually putting fuel in the tanks and making us get And because around. we wouldn't give editorial control to some group that wanted to... Uh, have that, and we said no. We'd rather stay broke because um, we won't sell out for any any amount of money in the world. Um, this is your platform. That's why we've been travelling around giving your voice, so people can actually see they're not alone. They're hurting just like everyone else, and coming together, re-networking because you're going to have to do it yourselves. Government's not going to do it for you. So we'll, we're backing you 100% of the way, and thanks for backing us. Yeah. So well, let's give everybody a round of applause who's making it happen. <laughs> So um, without further ado, we will hand over to the lovely Anne, where is she? She's going to be your hostess with the mostess tonight, and uh, we are so thankful for everything you've done to make this last event um, a boomer. So give You're it up legend. for Anne. The short person's one, is that right? <laughs> um, thank you everyone, look at what a great turnout, and look, aren't we really, really lucky having these guys that are prepared to spend their time going out around New Zealand getting people's stories, getting the messages out there with all the shite that mainstream media are feeding us, you know. Um, our first person is this very special musician, singer, Ellie Cook, with her beautiful song, Little White Crosses. <laughs> Good evening, look at this turnout. Obviously Nelson likes their freedom. You're right there, Captain? The captain of the ship. Right, we'll crank it up then. So um, this song I wrote because I went to Wellington and the little white crosses that hung up. The media, of course, we saw that in the media because they had no choice but to sit out on the balcony of Parliament and film through those little white crosses to everything that was happening. 
And each of those little white crosses, there was a tent for those that didn't go, called the Health Forum Tent, that had these signs. Um, every single one of them had a family member who had written a name on, on the cross for their family member that they felt had died after the vaccine. My own son was driving down the highway in a 50-tonne truck outside of Ashburton. He was cornered by Move Logistics, I'm going to say the name of the company, or TNL, who he'd worked for for three years. And he took the vaccine but didn't tell me, and six hours later he was in an ambulance. He barely managed to pull a 50-tonne rig over to the side of the road, and thank God he never collapsed. And then he, of course, wouldn't take the second one because he ended up with pericarditis from the first, and then he lost his job, as did my daughter, as did my daughter's boyfriend inside my house. There was three in my household that lost their jobs, and that's why I went to Wellington. Then when they pulled the crosses down, this is the song that I wrote. So this is for every person that is vaccine damaged, has lost their life, or for anybody who has a family member that has lost their life or been damaged by this I won't even call it that, it's actually just poison. Here we go, this is called Little White Crosses. Crank that up.
so much, everyone. Thank you. I just got something to say, because I know there's a few of you from T Golden Bay that have come over. Whoever put the sign up on top of the hill, Thank you so much. I got a text. I had a beautiful day last week. The song got played um, on the McCulloch Report by Dr. Peter McCulloch, who's a cardiac man that's been standing up for all of this in the States. And 10 minutes later, someone sent me a photo of a gigantic sign on Tarkaka Hill that had truth plus science, think. And it had, look out, search YouTube little white crosses. So, and never again on the other side. Let's make it never again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ali. That is just amazing. And you're right, never again. We cannot let this happen again. Now, our next speaker is Dana Lee. She's a mother with many talents. Her commitment to truth, courage and freedom are second to none. Her belief in counterspin has never wavered and her encouragement got them through some lows. So with her help, they have managed the tour and it has been an amazing high. Tonight, Dana shares her thoughts on the state of affairs throughout, within our country and the attacks by the fascists calling themselves anti-fascists. So thank you, Dana. Hello, Richmond Nelson. Far out what I turn out. Thank you so, so, so much for coming through tonight. So my name is Dana Lee. I have been with Councilman Media uh, since before its inception. And come baby, come on honey. This is my daughter Artemisia. One of three reasons why I do what I do. So, never expected to be on the tour for so long. The, uh, my team had been asking me to jump on and come through for the tour and I had so much else happening up in uh, Waitangi and uh, the far north. We had an habitation going on and there was just a lot going on. So, I had said I couldn't do it and uh, but I would speak at Taipa. And so I spoke at Taipa and then my team convinced me to come down and at least do a week. So I arrived in Tauranga and then we went from Tauranga to Gisborne? Rotorua. And then Napier oh, and Gisborne. And then uh, I was asked to be tour manager and I thought, oh, think about that. And But here I am, tour manager. And... Uh, so we just flowed and moved our way through the country and then we got to Dunedin and when we had actually got to Tauranga there had been a little bit of a, um, a I want to say backlash and objection to, uh, or they put up an attempt to stop us from hosting our events in Tauranga and uh, said that we're white supremacists and uh, However, the uh, manager of that uh, council, he came down and he had a talk with us and so clearly we weren't white supremacists and uh, so, you know, the event moved ahead. 
And then we, so we proceeded forward and then we got to Dunedin. And as we were coming into Dunedin, one of our, our venues got cancelled. And we're like, no, motherfuckers. <laughs> and then, so then we got another venue. We're like, yes. And then that one got cancelled. But we got another one. And we had that event. And then I, so then I was talking to Hannah and I thought, you know, who's behind this? Who's trying to shut down our events? And we found out who it was. And it was a woman by the name of Cena Davis Brown, who uh, calls herself an anti-fascist. She's an anti-capitalist, even though she loves the benefits of, you know, capitalism, anti-colonialism. Uh, she is, uh, what, what was it, Islam, Islamic foe? Uh, she's, yeah, that. <laughs> she's an Islamophobe. I, I actually don't know what that means. Um, but if she's able to be that in this country, then uh, I think she's got it pretty sweet. So then I, so I looked at it and I thought, wow, you know, and I thought that seeing what she was doing, how she was attempting to shut us down, and she's mouldy. And she's. You know, she wears a mokokowai, and you know, our mokokowai holds our uh, spiritual mana on it. And she's going around attempting to shut down free speech. She's attempting to shut down you, we the people, from sharing our stories. So, and so that, to me, was a stark contradiction um, to what it is that Māori to me, was supposed to stand for. Now... I had been noticing some things over the past uh, few years, and especially the last two years, ever since the Māori Party uh, made a push last year to hold Māori and uh, lock, to extend Level 4 lockdown so that they could ensure a, an, at least over a 90% vaccination rate for Māori. And so, you know, these things have been playing on my mind and then I seen what it was she was doing and the, the fight that she, and the effort that she put in to shut us down. And I thought, what is happening? And then I, then we proceeded to get attacked from other Māori and I got attacked. I got accused of being a white supremacist and if I wasn't a white supremacist, then I was a tool being utilised by the white supremacist. Because it turns out there's just no way someone like me um, could possibly share the same opinion as Pākehā. And that, that actually blew me away. And I thought about that, and so then I started doing some digging, and then as I started reacting to these people, um, and firing off and shutting them down, um, more came in. And I started looking at their accounts, and I started seeing that they, were, they all had anti-fascist. And I thought, what the... So, I'll, I'll read to you guys something. Are there many kids in here? Look, I'll, you know, I'll keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she knows my language. This is what I wrote. There is a portion of Māori-dom that is so stupid that an old saying comes to mind, thick as bricks. 
They go under the guise of anti-fascists. Let's look at that. Fascism, a political system headed by a dictator in which the government controls business and labor and opposition is not permitted. Fascism is a form of far-right authoritarian ultranationalism characterized by dictatorial power, forcible suppression of opposition and strong regimentation of society and the economy. These bricks, the so-called anti-fascists, are the ones attempting to squash any type of thought that they don't like. These bricks have tried to stop your stories from being heard. They don't want free speech. They don't want freedom. They don't want to hear any thought that is detrimental to the lining of their pockets, to the dopamine hits they receive from the virtue signaling of pathetic activism against white supremacists. White supremacists, it would appear by all accounts, now has a new definition if the anti-fascists are to be believed. It equates to someone who questions everything. It is the anti-fascists who support their socialist paradise that the likes of Kim Jong-un and his father implemented in North Korea. And that's a fucking hellhole. So let me reiterate, anti-fascist definition now equates to I stand for everything I pretend to be against. Sit down, shut the up and do as you're told, speak only when spoken to. That is it. We have a portion of Māori dim that call themselves something. This is how twisted it is. They pretend to stand for something or they project what it is that they stand for onto us. It is. And how twisted is that when they are also the very ones that push colonialism? It's very twisted. They're also the ones that have pushed this whole rat poison onto we the people. This is twisted. And so, you know, looking at it, and the more I dug into it, and the more I seen of, uh, you know, Māori, um, the more I felt obligated to come out against it. Because Pākehā can't do it, you'll be called a racist. I love my country. I love my people. My mother's French. I can't possibly pretend to be for one when I'm a mix. We can't... We can't pretend that we're one and act like the other doesn't exist. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's divide and conquer. And so we must come out against it. And for myself, I call out Dim. Not Māori dim. I call out Māori dim, and I call out so Māori means pure one, pure descendant. I call them out. Those who haven't taken this rat poison, 
I ask that they come forward and we hold this portion of Māoridom accountable because they are playing a big role in the destruction of our country and the values that we hold dear. <clears throat> All right, I think I'll just leave that, that part there for now. The, I'm not against my people, I'm against a portion that are in it, uh, what we would call Māori elitists. Um, if they want to throw the white supremacist word around there, maybe we throw the black supremacist. I don't know. I know that in, within Māoridom, there are families that have been detrimental to their own people. We have iwi that are detrimental to their own people. You know, the Hipopua legislation, it appears to be in favour of Māori. It is a farce. It is a handover to a corporation that is basically the government. It is not for we, the people. It is not for the people. It is not for those of the land of the whenua. Mm. Now, just before I go, as I touch on one more thing, the, throughout these events, I keep hearing people you know, say, um, you all know what is happening in this country, right? You know that there is a cull taking place. You know that we are living an extermination level event, right? You know that they are coming for your children. They are taking everything. They want to implement their socialist paradise. They want to get you on your knees bowing to them. Personally, I bow to no motherfucker. <laughs> and I ask that you don't either. I ask that you support your fellow man should you see him or her in trouble. I ask that when, that, when it comes to crunch time, that you stand up and you do something about it. You don't need to ask yourself, what do I do? You know. Don't be so fearful. Key perspective as to what is happening and what the future might look like for our next generation. We are obligated to protect them and ensure that they are safe. Do something. Stand up. Do not fall to your knees. Last but not least, I would like to say a massive thank you to those families that have hosted us throughout this uh, phenomenal tour. I thank all you, the people that have turned up and showed us so, so much support. The, I hope that you have felt empowered and inspired by seeing each region turn out and knowing that you are not alone, that you are not alone. The Wellington protests proved that to you. The country turned out. The Kiwi spirit that we all have heard about, you saw it in full force. It's there. We can do it. The power does lie with us. Take control of your life Stop asking for permission and live. Thank you.
I just want to say, wow, wow, she's pretty amazing. And, you know, she's right. This is the last one of the tour. So this is really critical that we don't just walk away, stop, oh, file it up. We're actually, when, when we see what the media and these different groups are coming out against anybody's asking questions about the truth, we need to stand up and we need to come together. Now, one of the things, if you haven't already, um, check out and sign up for the counterspinmedia.com website. They've got regular emails, what's happening, what they're doing around the country, because this is the way that we can communicate, because we know social media is just a fail. They're pulling us left, right and centre. They're cutting us off. It's disgusting, you know. So counterspinmedia.com, sign up when you get home, okay? All right, let's move on. So our next speaker is Phil Ashford. He's been on Counterspin before sharing his harrowing story of abuse at boarding school in Australia. And he recently spoke, actually on Monday night, at the Dark to Light tour here in Nelson. It was very profound. Tonight he will share how he's lost his friend to, a to the jab. Thanks, Phil. Hi. This one, maybe. Is this me? Yep. Yeah. Uh, how are you going? I'm Phil Ashworth. Uh, I spoke last week. Chris, how are you, mate? <laughs> uh, I've got an important uh, story to tell because uh, I think it links a lot to do with COVID and um, there's uh, lots of evidence to show that um, there's a worse pandemic than COVID. Uh, in 2008, I gave evidence to police in Australia. We started um, Australia's biggest incriminal investigation in history, and that was into the pedophile network. And it went to different schools and different institutions, 40 different schools and institutions, and that continued on. And that spread, uh, those, those investigations spread all around the world. Um, and uh, at the biggest time, uh, and when the, the most investigations were going down in history, COVID started. And um, I know in my heart from that point onwards that that was a lie. And uh, I've been fighting, you know, this 14 years already. I've seen the most uh, evil of corruption and the worst um, crimes committed. Um, and the cover-ups has been the worst part. Uh, and, and that's what I'm here to do, is try and show that there's links involved in these sort of uh, organisations. Um, to start with, for example, um, the lawyers that did the class action for me, um, they went to the same school, the head um, lawyer. Uh, he told me that uh, he knew the predator that abused me and um, knew him very personally and was dedicated to um, getting justice. Well, that went on for many, many years. And, um, and when I got pretty tired of that, I decided I wanted to go to the media. And they said to me, no, no, it's all right, we'll, we'll get the right media person for you because, uh, you know, it could affect your case. So guess where he went to school? And um, guess where the Woods Royal Commission uh, judge went to school? Same place, yeah. There's a real club there, eh? And, um, and it became obvious over the years that I was, you know, just a pawn in the whole game and um, paid out and pissed off sort of thing and sent away and told not to talk any further. Uh, well, you know, fuck it, I'm here and I want to speak my truth. And I want to show... <laughs> I 
And it's super important to me to show the links between um, what's going on with COVID and, and, and the, and the uh, corruption involved and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, there was 28 names suppressed in the Royal Commission. Uh, one of them was a Prime Minister. There was a Prime Minister that also went to uh, Knox Grammar School as well. So, uh, fuck knows who that's linking up with. But, you know, as you can see, there's, there's so much uh, evidence of um, dodginess. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. I've heard other ones, but um, there's probably all of them for all we know. <laughs> you know, honestly, it's just, just hideous. Um, it dragged on for uh, uh, 11 years for me before I got justice. I sued the, ch the church and the school, and um, yeah, got a big payout, and um, that wasn't really justice. Uh, here's something interesting the predator. Hey? No, thanks, man. Um, no, it wasn't. It was just money. Um, the, 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 the sad part here is that um, the predator escaped justice. Within two weeks of his first charges, he was uh, somehow got out of the country, new ID, passport. Um, police told me that they believe he had another passport. So who, who sort of, what sort of person gets a new passport in two weeks and out of the country? Uh, he was found in uh, South Africa by Interpol, who contacted me and said he was running an orphanage there. True story. Uh, he now lives in Namibia under hiding uh, and uh, armed security. Um, there's no extradition order in that country, so they can't get him out uh, recently. And six months after COVID started uh, and after so many years of investigating and trying to get him back into the country to face charges, uh, six months after COVID started, they told me that the investigation would be closed. So he, he gets to escape justice. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's how many um, other court cases have been going through in the last couple of years, both in Australia and New Zealand, where uh, these predators have escaped justice, walked out of court because they're not being heard in the media. There's nothing in the media about it. You know, the Royal Commission in this country, you know, there's fuck all stuff in the news about it, you know. It's all about COVID and, you know, um, Johnny Depp and fucking other crap, you know. It's just, it just chews me up, eh? It's just awful. So, um, yeah, uh, that, that investigation in Australia became the biggest investigation in history and, um, and it's still going ongoing today uh, in some other areas, uh, I believe. Um, I still keep in contact with the police and ask if there's any changes or any, you know, updates because um, I'm interested in other cases that are going on as well. Um, I have lots of people I know and people I uh, have been helping through. So yeah, um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot to be said that uh, you know what I uh, helped exposed over the last um, 14 years has been covered up by COVID, and um, yeah, I, I I want people to look into this and study this and and see this that there is a huge correlation uh, with with what's going on and the law changes and um, the introduction to schools with these new education systems that they're trying to implicate. Um, trying to bring the uh, age of consent down in Australia at the moment, uh, you know, it just sickens me. Um, yeah, look it up for yourself is all I can say. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you all the details. I just wanted to get up here and um, give a brief uh, of my story and, um, and uh, you know, let people know that there is deep, deep, dark corruption going on and, um, and it's in every institution of the, the world. Uh, not just um, the medical industry, governments, you know, everything, the entertainment industry, you name it. Uh, there was definitely links with satanic um, culture, 
there. There was definitely that sort of stuff at my school. Um, I, I can't tell you too much more about that. I'm still learning about it myself. Um, but uh, definitely know that there is a lot of dark things that went on there. And um, yeah, so uh, it's so good to see so many people, you know, um, here tonight. So uh, yeah, thank you. This this is this touches me too. So yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you, Phil. I mean, it's it's hard sharing your own story and your own journey, and it's you've got to admire people, their bravery to be in their truth. This is huge because they're helping someone else. They're helping others. Every time we share our story or our friend's story, our family story, we're helping others, and that, the children, the future, all of it. Now, our next speaker uh, is Sarah Carter. And she is a mental health worker and was jabbed, was injured by the jab. Something has awoken within, and now she just can't shut up. Um, she's coming in a minute. She was mandated to keep her job, suffered an adverse reaction, which she'll tell us about, and the quality of life has decreased significantly. Through talking and sharing her story, she has managed to connect with some incredible experts who help support the jab injured, which is fantastic. Her current mission is to work at a local level to bring people who have been injured together to get the support that they need as the system is failing them. Thank you, Sarah. Wow, there is a lot of people here. Um, I often say that, is my heart racing because I'm nervous or is it just my symptoms? Uh, it's hard to tell in a moment like this. Um, these signs, I was supposed to bring my sign. Linda wanted it, but again, brain fog, another one of my symptoms. Um, I look around the room and I know some of these people. I've reached out to them. How could I not? Um, Counterspin, thank you so much for, for giving us a platform to speak the freaking truth. It is not miss, I love that everyone swears, fucking information. It's, uh, it's my story, it's our stories. You don't make that stuff up. Why would you? Why would anyone around here make this stuff up? Uh, we've all heard jab, no job. Well, mine's jab, no job. So no jab, no job, jab, no job. Um, mental health support worker, not anymore. But just to understand a little bit of a background about myself. So I'm going to share my story, but some of the themes in my story you've heard time and time and time again. They're not original. Uh, prior to March 2020, I travelled the world. I was living the dream. I'm a tour guide showing tourists around a beautiful country. I worked eight months of the year and I travelled four months of the year. Spent a lot of time in the Amazon jungle learning about plant medicines, natural medicines. That's always been my thing, my forte. Um, I'm a Bowen therapist, I'm a, a marriage celebrant 
and a massage therapist as well. Uh, so I wear many different hats. I just, nine to five, no thank you. Uh, so yes, so I had two days before the first lockdown came uh, and I found that my friends opened their holiday home to me in Wakefield and I haven't left ever since. Uh, so I'm very grateful for them. Uh, mental health support worker, I utilised the skills that I had and I love to help people. Uh, and yes, I got coerced. I got bullied at my work. There were jokes. I was the last person to, to yeah, no. Well, yeah. I didn't want to. Uh, no one really wanted to understand. I wanted to make a fully informed decision. I like to research. I not, like to know that it's okay. It's got to be a good yes. Uh, I must have changed my booking about 20 times. I had no plan B. How was I going to pay the rent? Uh, so I did, and I cried, and I felt weird afterwards. I felt like I'd let myself down because my intuition the whole entire time was saying, this is not a good idea. Now, I live life to the full, and no regrets is one of my mottos, but this is probably one of the first times in my life I can say, I sure do regret uh, this. So that's one of the hardest things that I've had to battle with. Um, yeah, the regret of making that decision. Uh, two days after I got chest pain, uh, like bricks, I've heard this many times before, on my chest, uh, typical Kiwi, soldiered on. Don't really like it, it's quite uncomfortable and painful. 17 days later, I rung up the medical center and said, uh, I've got chest pain. They said, go to ED uh, because my second was coming up to keep my job again, of course. Uh, and the next day I passed out. I don't know how long I blacked out for. I was very dizzy. Uh, I couldn't see, could barely walk. Did I call an ambulance? No, I called my beautiful neighbor who come and scooped me up and took me to the hospital. Now I had my head in a bucket. I couldn't see, I could barely walk. I came in with chest pain and the nurse said to me, wow, we've had a real influx of chest pain today. Four other people wow. in the ED on the same day that I was there. All the tests, and this is a thing that people don't necessarily know, a lot of them come back clear. So ECG, chest x-ray, etc. This is a standard story. There's some other tests that they should have done that I know now after six and a half months that weren't done. Uh, and I got sent home, uh, my diagnosis was an inner ear infection, go home and rest. Oh, my inner ear infection is still going, six and a half months later, it's the strangest inner ear infection ever. I didn't know that you got breathlessness and chest pain with an inner ear infection. Gosh, um, second doctor. It could be from the you-know-what, but I don't know what to do with you. Have some Panadol and go home and rest. Do you think she wrote that in her notes? Of course not. Third doctor, NZDSOS. A lot of money, a lot of money. But wow, love, care, support, follow-up, uh, supplements, the I word, all of that. 
Um, so yeah, that was just incredible. Myocarditis, without a doubt. Do a few tests, yes, of course. Ah, uh, wow. And then the protests happened in Wellington. I found out there was a convoy. Five minutes later, I'd booked some flights to Wellington. I wasn't well enough to join, you know, the thought of going over on the ferry and just driving and everything. No, they're on flight. Now, no one really knew what was going on. They told me to show up at 6 a.m. on Parliament grounds on that first day. So I did. Me and five other people. Uh, but it was just beautiful. There was a lady there playing her guitar. She was setting the scene. Um, I spent a lot of time in one of the trees there, just sort of grounding myself because my symptoms did start playing up because I can't walk more than maybe 10 minutes without being breath breathless. Um, and I just felt the energy of the place. I found all of it. I felt the love that was gonna occur and the darkness. It all happened in a moment of two hours. I sat on a park bench and I started sharing my story with people. And they said, wow, you should really speak. The speeches were coming up at 12 o'clock. I found myself in front of Sue Gray and I said, Sue, um, I've been told I need to speak three times. You know, one, two, oh, three, really? Okay, all right. Uh, and she said to me in that moment, she said, well, what is it you want to say? And I got overwhelmed because it's so important what we have to say. What was I to say in that moment? And then I stopped and I thought, now is not the time. I walked away on the plane flight home. It's not an original idea. I know many people have had a similar idea, but I thought, well, I've just got to get all the jab injured together in one place and we've, we've got a very important message because we need to help people. We're, we're need to save lives even one person it doesn't matter like that's that's the mission here uh and then i started making steps because i'm a tour um guide i know people who drive buses and stuff so i thought right we'll get a bus and then we'll do that but i was too unwell i couldn't make it happen and i just held that vision and before you know it ali for example here and a f other amazing people were just drawn to bring uh, the jab injured together and we held a memorial service in Wellington uh, to recognize all the people that were injured and uh, that had lost their lives. Uh, Ali's song was played so whenever you play the Ali it's just just reminds me of that day it was so special. Um, Anna Hodgkinson did some amazing work she got a petition and Chris Pink walked down the steps and accepted our petition. And that was huge because that was my vision. It was supposed to be at Parliament grounds, but obviously the, that had it all cornered off after the protest. But we, we found ourselves there. And then uh, the back of my T-shirt. Not sure if you can read it. 58,000, is it 322? Oh, so we just, that was a March, uh, end of March, and we just checked earlier. It's really hard to find because they keep changing their website. Uh, end of April was about 62,000, but Ali's just saying there's more, like 68,000. And they're only the ones that have been reported. So Linda um, is doing amazing work with the health form. She's got the actual numbers. And then, of course, there's the people that are too scared to speak out as well. So that was a born silent no more, no more. That was enough. And the, the kids were next. And that was, 
I've lived half my life. I've had a great life. But the kids, no, please, no. I wouldn't want anyone else to experience half of what I was experiencing. Uh, so, yeah, so silent no more. And then I just found myself in front of my fourth doctor. I think I might have to round it up. Uh, fourth doctor. And she said, I think you have. Any guesses? Anxiety. <laughs> I looked at her, I glared at her, and said, I'm a mental health support worker. I know how anxiety presents, and I'm not anxious. I've been chased by a bear in Canada. I've fallen off a cliff in Australia. I've been struck by lightning in the Amazon jungle, lost in China. I do not have anxiety, lady. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, some people wouldn't say that. They would accept that. And I thought, well, I'm not going to let this one down, like this one lives. So uh, I was going to follow her. I was going to go see her every week if I had to. She was going to, you know, I was going to hound her. Uh, then I got COVID. Oh, do we say that word? Then I got the flu really bad. <laughs> and um, I wanted an exemption because I wanted to go and visit my nana in the rest home. Hadn't been able to do that. So, you know, just one, lost my job, ousted from society, all that fun stuff that you're all aware of. You've felt the same. Um, the family issues, that's, that's pretty sticky and stuff. Um, and then I rung up and then I got my fifth doctor because the fourth one that told me I had anxiety, she also had the flu. So the fifth doctor, she dominated the entire phone conversation because I wasn't allowed to see her. And she was telling me about her own adverse reaction. Oh and I thought, wow, fifth doctor just told me she had an adverse reaction. So as soon as I could, I'm gonna chase her down. Uh, so as soon as I could go and see her, I saw her. And then I was sitting in front of her. I was a, I was a face in front of her. And well, she was hurting too, you know. Um, she did the same thing to keep her job. She was the only one that helped me. I have no diagnosis. So I haven't applied for ACC or anything like that. Um, and, and I haven't been able to work since then. Well, I was working, but it was, it was just getting too hard. Like the fatigue is extreme. So uh, I went to her and she had to give me a, a diagnosis. What do you think she wrote? It was a movie moment. She looked at me, I looked at her, we looked at the computer. She's gonna write adverse reaction. No, she's gonna write long flu. So that was a, that was a bit heartbreaking, uh, but since then I've up to my sixth doctor. My sixth doctor is incredible, amazing. Like she's just gold. She gets it. She's she's just helping people for the love of it. She's amazing. So it's been quite a journey, um, and also like I said, I can't shut up now. Hence the reason I'm probably running over time. Um, but I've sent uh, out a flyer to everyone who has had an adverse reaction. Now, I saw your hands go up earlier, so you know someone. 
And so it's actually become my full-time job to connect people in the local area. We had our first meeting just a few weeks ago and it was just so healing and just, just people that understand what you're going through. I even just, I'm fitting calls from people who have reached out to me and I'm reaching out to them and just for them to talk to someone who gets it and speak their truth. Um, yeah, that's, that's what we need to keep doing is just, so thank you, Counterspin. Just keep talking the truth. I even, even in cafes, you know, a gentleman admitted to me the other day he hadn't felt right since. And I said, well, why haven't you told anyone? And he said, well, we just don't talk about it. There's a stigma. There's something's gone really, really wrong. And um, there's the people that don't connect the dots either. They're the ones that are just really time to get to them now. And I, I don't say, do you think it's that? I said, well, what's changed in your life since? Uh, and you see their faces drop. And so, and so I have been surrounded by amazing experts and people uh, and I have a lot of tools that I can help share because I don't want anyone else to go through the messed up journey that I went through if I can intercept them now uh, and before it's too late because that suicide word well that's 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 just all too real and just had quite a few phone calls from uh, people have been injured because you're isolated. You're not well enough to get out of your bed. Um, you've lost your life um, in terms of, you know. So I went from adventure, loving, seeking to, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that I've met all these people and I'm in a, a room of people such as yourself. So I've got to be grateful and I'm grateful I'm still here and I'm grateful that I've had the help. Uh, but there's going to be a huge mess and there already is to clean up can't keep sweeping us under the carpet anymore and so that's one of the big reasons why i won't shut up big. thank thank you sarah that was amazing and you know it's really interesting you, you mentioned about people not wanting to talk about it and keep it under the because you've got to think about what all the messaging is in the mainstream media. So anybody that says, well, actually, I think I got a bit of a reaction, or you're a conspiracy theorist, you're, or you're just making it up. So people are actually in fear to speak their truth, which is really, really, really sad. I mean, I don't buy the newspapers. I've had a litter of puppies and um, got a trolley load of newspapers from the Nelson Mail. And this was the press, Friday the 18th of February, and there's a beautiful, not beautiful, article about um, the protest. But there's one little letter in here, which I just thought I'd share, it's beautiful. They are us. Why do we need to vilify those who believe differently than ourselves? Three short words also apply to protesters. They are us. And this is the same message with your vax injured um, people that are struggling, that are forced to take in, uh, to keep their jobs, etc. You know, um, and the, so I've, I'm just going to keep reminding you that we need to keep connected because, you know, this is the last one of the tour, 
but we need to keep our communication. I mean, after the protest in Wellington and Picton, people were in shock. So people will be in shock from the tour as well in lots of levels. So we just need to keep connecting. So go back to the website, counterspinmedia.com and sign up and share it with those all those people that you need to share it with because you know who they are. Sorry, sidetracking. So our next speaker is Zara Lightway. Zara's going to share the story a story of how a team of good-hearted people were, were able to create an endure, enriching experience despite restrictions. Welcome, Zara. Hello, everybody. First, a big thank you to Zara, my alter ego, because I'm Zara. Um, about mid-February, my phone rang, and it was a young woman, she was 20 years old, and she had just signed up to take our 11-week in-person course. And she said to me, so, do I need to be vaccinated? And this was red traffic light time, right? This was the beginning of Omicron. And when I said to her, no, love, you don't, she started crying in relief on the other end of the phone. A 20-year-old who for months had felt locked out of her life, the only person in her family to be vaccine-free, living in Wellington, being forced to wear masks everywhere, not able to hang out with her friends. Her family didn't understand, but she was lucky that they were open enough that they did not send her away as we've seen with so many families over this. So it was kind of scary to take on running an in-person 11-week full-time course with 17 different people at a time when the Ministry of Education was saying, hey, you can only do this if everybody's vaccinated. But luckily, we had a team of people who were all vaccine-free. And we decided to follow the spirit. And spirit was saying very clearly, do this, do this, do this. So we did. And we wanted to come up with a plan that would honor everybody participating. And I wanted to get away from those fucking yellow, black, and white signs everywhere, right? The ones that are, that are supposed to remind you of a wasp or a bee and put you in, in higher fear alert all the time. So I sat down and we wrote this plan that said, hey, if you're not wearing a mask, we're going to assume that you have an exemption. Please don't ask anybody why they're not wearing a mask. And if you are wearing a mask, we're not gonna ask you about that either. 
We're also not going to ask each other about our vaccine status. That's none of our business. And that was the first thing we did when everybody got there. We all sat down in a circle and we went over our safety plan. And 11 weeks later, I still don't have a clue who was vaccinated and who wasn't, and neither does anybody else. And during that 11 weeks, we were together eight hours a day. We were learning how to do natural building. We were learning how to look after ourselves, our own personal sustainability. We were learning permaculture. We were learning everything we needed to know to live a more sustainable life. We had seven 20-something young people, all of whom were able to have an experience of living life as normal. In fact, by the end of it, we actually kind of forgot what was going on in the world. And it was really hard though, for me, I'm the coordinator of this course, and that's what I've been doing for the last three years, through the whole thing. And so we had red light, and then we had, now it's orange light, and then we had construction going on, and then we had people falling sick, one after the other, the students, the tutors, we're moving the whole schedule around, we're just completely carrying this whole thing. And people were getting sick, very, for mm, seven to 10 days. I got sick, I got COVID for 36 hours. But I had my treatment kit, I had Ivermectin, I had NAC, I had vitamin C, I had vitamin D. I slammed that thing and just killed it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so everyone took it in turns. And it was. Um, Interesting, because at one point I was saying, okay, Spirit, this was clear. We're supposed to do this course. Why? <laughs> this is really hard. I'm really under a lot of pressure. We're under a lot of pressure. But then at the end, I finally understood. We had our last night together, all 20-odd of us. And... The young people started telling me how much that had meant to them that they had been able to come and just be normal, just be together, to celebrate life, to learn how to bring their dreams into manifestation, into real life, to have hope for the future. And that that had changed everything for them. And now they were leaving with a sense of, we can do something about this. We can get on with life. And we can actually overcome anything. We do not, and we do not have to follow rules that don't make any sense and that are harmful. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think that's the biggest piece of this, is for us to realize that we are fucking sovereign people. We are sovereign human beings. And yesterday, or the other day, I was talking to the new principal of a school in Golden Bay, where I live, who's coming in, and she said to me, you know, I get that people followed those rules because, you know, when there's laws, you have to follow them. And I let her finish speaking, and then I said, well, that's an interesting perspective, I said. But if you look at history, you see that the times when we've done the most good are the times when we didn't follow the unjust laws, and we did what was right anyway. Thank you. Wow, that's so true, so true. So our next two lovely guests are sisters, Carolyn and Donna. Many of you would know them and know about their sister, Cass. So they're here tonight and fighting for their freedoms and rights, as well as Cass, who died because of the mandates. Would you like to come and share your story, girls? Thank you. This is our beautiful sister. Yes, those in the back. <laughs> Just come up to the mic. Okay. I need one here and one there. Oh, I'm going to let her. You're right? taller. Okay, sorry. <laughs> is that okay? Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so I'm Carolyn, Donna. Um, now, this is a bit of a rehash of um, my speech that I did back on the 20th of November last year at one of the peace rallies uh, in town that we used to attend, the Freedoms and Rights Coalition used to hold. So here we go. It is with great sadness that my sister Donna and I are standing here this evening, but sadly the mandates killed our sister. On 9th November, Cass and her three friends and colleagues were travelling home from Wellington to New Plymouth after attending the march to Parliament that day, when they were sadly killed in a horrific car crash. Our beautiful sister decided to attend the march on Parliament to fight for her right to teach, to fight for all our freedoms, to fight for what is right. She was standing against these ridiculous mandates. Up until that fateful day, she was having the shittiest time, forced to resign, forced to give up her rental home, forced to re-home her beautiful cat, Mr Grey. <laughs> Cass told me she wrote her resignation under duress and said as much to her principal. Now, she's from Devon Intermediate in New Plymouth. In her resignation, she mentioned of the Nuremberg Code, the Bill of Rights, and wrote of all the wrongs being done to her. Unfortunately, it all fell on deaf ears to a principal who didn't give a shit. Cass was the most amazing human being anyone could ever have had the honour and joy to have met. She shone light and love on everyone she knew. At 50 years, she was much loved mum, daughter, sister, auntie, cousin and fur mum. Cass took herself back to study at the age of 40 and worked so hard to be the amazing teacher that she was. She nurtured, encouraged and helped grow her students into the best that they could be. They loved her so much that once they heard she was being forced to leave 
them, her students she loved with all her heart, they wanted to do a protest at their school in the hope she wouldn't have to leave. Over the weeks and months leading up to her pending mandate due date, we were texting, messaging and ringing one another often, helping each other through our horrible days. Cass was really looking forward to her pending move down to Nelson to live with me and my partner to start her new life. Sadly, that didn't happen. Sorry. When I heard my poor brother had felt compelled to take his first injection in order to get a job, I wrung Cass in tears. After we cried together from this news, she said to me, Caro, this is our brother's choice. This is the path now, and all we can do is be there for him. Then she said, now breathe and go and take a St. John's walk while I'm on the phone with you. This was Cass to a T, calming, caring, and so loving. On Tuesday, the 9th of November, a beautiful sister was picked up very early that morning, and she set off with her colleagues and friends, our freedom fighters, in a convoy from New Plymouth to Wellington. She was so excited that day. Cass was sending me photos and messages throughout the day. She was having an absolute blast. Tragically, her day ended horrifically. The only blessing I can take personally from that day was that she got to read my message only five minutes before her fatal accident. And that message was, I'm so fucking proud of you. Our beautiful sister, our spiritual sister, our freedom fighter may be gone from this world, but make no mistake, she is fighting for us still. She will continue to fight until we have our rights and our freedoms back. What we all have to do right now is fight harder and louder for Cass, for Tracy, for Joe, and for Richard. Cass was taken way too soon and we are all deeply devastated. She leaves behind three amazing children, two of whom still live with me due to many of the mandates still being place, in place, and her son who lives in Australia was not able to attend his funeral's mum due to Jacinda Ardern's and this government's cruel and overreaching COVID restrictions. Cass took so many, touched so many souls. She was loved by so many. She will remain forever in our, and always in our hearts. In summary, if it weren't for Jacinda Ardern's mandates, well, my sister and her three friends would still be alive. Um, so I, blood is on Jacinda Ardern's hands and blood is on this government's hands. So if we've got a little bit more time, Donna just wanted to talk about a little bit of the dis vile discrimination that's been happening with us and probably with most of you in this room. Um, so I'll let Donna just have a quick chat if you want to. <laughs> so pretty much we've probably had the same discrimination as everybody else possibly in this room. Um, we stand up, we do not wear masks, we don't stand for this rubbish. We um, have been discriminated against by a local council here in this district. Um, we were told we were not allowed to go to the library. So us being us, we went into the library. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much we marched on in part, well I kept marching on in past, <laughs> um, to go up to the counter. Eventually I thought, oh, I better stop. Um, we would, they tried to physically push us out. 
We stood our ground. We thought, we're not doing this. I tried to inform them of a few facts. They did not believe me. They thought I was lying, even though we had it in writing that their own council member or members from the TDC had told us that they realised you can still catch it and spread it. They did not believe me. They thought I was lying. Anyway, we left there. We've also had other incidences where we've been to in our area that we live, or Carolyn lives, I live a bit further out rural, um, at a local bakery where we were discriminated against. That morning we'd just been to one of the protests in town. We don't show our mask exemptions because you don't have to. Our government tells us we don't have to show it. So we didn't show it. We went to walk in like we have many times before. We got stopped, at the, basically accosted at the door um, as we'd gone in, um, as it turns out, by the owner. We, we didn't know at that time, never seen this lady, never had any issues. Turns out we heard later that other people had had the same experience. Now, as we were standing there and this lady was... Oh, a, a, a big conversation anyway with her, tried to get us to go to a side window where we said we will not do that, we will not be discriminated against, I'm sorry, we're, we're going to leave. As we went to leave, um, other people that had been at the protest with us that morning that showed their, I call it a Star of David, so they had their Star of David showing, and that's fine, that's their choice, um, they were let in. Multiple people got let in and we were like, what? What's going on? What are you doing? And um, so we kind of went, Carolyn kind of <laughs> went rushing back in and I stood at the door and we were getting yelled and screamed at that to get outside. We were getting trespassed, etc. Et All the while people were standing there. No one stood up for us. So even the people that had been at the protest with us, which I thought would have had our backs, that's how we look at yep. it, you have someone's back, especially when you're of a like mind. What they did was, well, I said, excuse me, how come you got let in and we're not? They put their head down and they turned away from mm. us. Mm. Yep. We yeah, were horrified. We, so we, needless to say, we'll never frequent that establishment yep. ever again. We tried to get... Oh, yes. Yes, did you see the video? So there was I a lot of lies it. told about us, but the video speaks for itself, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, but we just well, that's just some of our what we've experienced yeah. as well. But the reason why we're standing up more and fighting back is also because of our sister, mm. because she knew long before us what was yeah. going on in this country. Um, so we stand strong for ourselves, our family, our sister, always, and we'll always do it for everybody else, mm. no matter what, I guess whether people want it or not. <laughs> yeah. We will stand up and do what we think is right, and we're, we're never backing down. No, never. We're not putting up with this rubbish. Thank you, Counterspin. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think you should underestimate your knowledge and your commitment, Donna, because you were committed from 2020. You are an amazing supporter. Don't forget that. You know, there's been amazing people that were really awake in 2020. We knew what was coming. We didn't think it would be as near as bad as this, but, you know, don't, don't ever underestimate what, what you shared and be part of in 2020. Okay, so next up, 
we have got Linda Ho. Linda is a NLP trainer, hypnosis trainer, breathwork practitioner, ex-clinical nurse manager, and uses her tools to help wake people up and create their heaven on earth. She's a mother of two and married, and so is fighting for her children. I mean, basically, most of us are here for our children, our children's children. It's their future. Thank you, Linda. Hi. Wow, so many people. Thank you for, well, thank you for Counterspan and for so many people waking up and really start speaking up and showing other people that they're not alone. Because I think that's, that's the ripple effect. So when, when the flu <laughs> happened, um, my husband and I, we were, we were, we were quite aware. And as a nurse, I had every vaccine under the freaking sun because when I started my journey, as a nurse, I was in my 20s, and I just believed everything they said. I was like, yeah, sure, if that's going to prevent me from having it. Until I had a new vaccine which came on the market, and the thing I got, um, I got the very disease which the vaccine was against um, straight after. And I thought, well, how is that possible? I was nowhere. I wasn't doing anything new. And it was a sexual tra tra transmitted disease. It was uh, the HPV vaccine. And I was in a committed relationship. And she's like, yeah, you probably had it all along. And I was like, I would really like to know which strain I have because you could kind of, you know, gather if you have the same strain you got as a vaccine. But no one was really interested to look into it. And from there, I had more and more troubles. Um, I started being chronic sick. I had blood infections for th three years nonstop. I would pee blood. And eventually they, they, they told me on the end, after three years of pills and treatment, I just don't know how to pee right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's new. And eventually someone gave me the number of this um, Chinese medicine doctor. And she literally, she cut out everything out of my diet. She's like, yeah, don't eat this, don't, don't eat this. No milk product, no this. And I was like, right, the only thing for my breakfast left is the egg. <laughs> everything else is off. And I, I realized I could manage it. And, and that was the first aha moment where I realized that there's, there's a lot in medicine that I know. And there's a lot what we can do, um, but it's not recognized by them. Eventually I found this detox and um, really diligently um, did that detox for eight weeks and I fixed all my problems in eight weeks, which I had for three years and no doctor, no specialist could help me. I went to them back and I was like, oh my God, I've got this amazing detox. It's food. It's just food. You can do it. It's so easy. Yeah, there's no research. There's no research. We don't know if it's going to work. I was like, well, what do they have to lose? Nothing, right? When I got pregnant with my daughter, I did a lot of research, a lot, because I knew what happened to me. And eventually I connected all the dots and I thought, fuck. So I did research after research, and I saw in Japan, at some stage, they stopped giving vaccines before the age of two, and the sits rate dropped. And then, you know, I found more and more stuff, and, and I talked to my husband, because he's also a health professional, and I said, look, honey, we've got we to gotta do some research here. We've got we to gotta both look into it, because we need to be on one page with our children. And we both did a course on natural immunity and looked into it, and we decided that's not the path we go. 
but I was working and, you know, everyone kind of knew me. So I was like, are you going to vaccinate your children? I'm like, you know, in Germany, they're going to wait till after the age of two because it was like, I'm probably not going to be here after one year. So <laughs> no one's going to know. So I kind of, you know, delayed, delayed. And I started my journey in NLP and learned, you know, NLP is, um, stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And they're pretty quickly taught us, you know, NLP is a way of manipulating yourself or you could use it against others. But during the training, you know, there's a big weight on ethics and doing it for good, right? Like, yeah, we help people to manipulate that they go after their goals, they go after their dreams and they do what they truly want to do. And they showed us heaps of clippets from politicians, what they did to, to ditch questions, to confuse people. And when they confuse you, what they actually do they're opening the barrier to the subconscious mind because they're kind of unraveling you. And it, you know, sometimes they do something where you have like a moment where you're like, huh, what was that? And then they continue like nothing happened. And then, you know, everyone knows something happened, but no one really knows what. So after knowing more and more about it, I kind of felt like, you know, the undercover nurse. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm here, but, you know, I'm giving you all the tips how you can heal truly. <laughs> because I had all those tools and I was trained and I was like, look, I could fix the issues in two hours with the tools I have. No, they didn't want it. They didn't want me to, to help them in that way because there's no research. It's not signed off by the Western medicine. And sometimes now when I work with clients, yeah, I had a lady, she was suicidal when she came to me and her doctor actually told her not, not to work with me. After, after three weeks, we released emotions, we got rid of heaps of stuff and she started doing the things she wanted to do, you know, the things she was passionate about and really just start taking charge of her life because that's what it all comes back to, that we stop giving our power away and we're taking the power back and asking ourselves, okay, what can I do to create my heaven on earth? Thank you. So my husband and I, we came to Nelson. We thought, okay, let's escape the North Island. If shit is going to go down, it's going to go down there first. So it's like, you know, we moved first. You know, in the beginning, we were living in Auckland. Then we were, we were living already in Tauranga. And then we're like, okay, let's, let's go to the South Island. Things just happened. We had to move. And I got this job as a clinical nurse manager. No one asked me about what I think about, you know, the V. And I was like... Oh, well, cool, you know, and turns out I was the boss in the office. So there was really no one, no one above me in the same office, which was kind of cool. Um, and when it came there for, for weeks first, I didn't say anything, but when the announcement came in the radio, I really thought, okay, the universe is burning my boats because, you know, I've been feeling undercover anyway for quite some time now. And maybe it was just time to fully step into what I wanted to do. But just before, my husband and I, we actually invested in a clinic and he bought into it. And because she said she would never make us do it, we thought, okay, you know, we'll be fine. So in the end, we lost everything. We lost both our jobs and it was just before Christmas. The, the business swallowed the shares and just said, well, tough shit, blocked him out, took all the money, no holiday pay, no notice, no nothing. I at least got my notice pay. And I explained to them, like, look, you know, I was sick for three years last time. If I get sick, you don't pay me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so what, 
should I really take the gamble now where I have two little children and I have to be fit and there for them? I was like, nah, I'm not taking that gamble. So yeah, I left, but I think my husband, it was much harder for him because, you know, he started the clinic and it was going really well and he really found something he was passionate about. But I believe, and what we thought is right, was just so much stronger. And really just having that faith that something will open up and something will lead us to where we need to go. And um, that's when we actually created, I created a book with other people, New Earth Leaders. And it's really about talking um, and finding your true voice within you and following that and having faith and trust that that will lead you to where you need to go and what you need to experience and take the challenges and transform them into blessings. Because when you think about perception as projection, they keep projecting the shit out there that the world is going down, this is what's gonna happen. While yes, we need to be aware, we need to stand up and speak up, but we also need consciously hold that vision of we're gonna, we're gonna create that heaven on earth. Because that's what we want, right? We want a community and I almost think we're gonna create our own little society of like-minded people. And there, there was a blessing in all of this because yeah, now people, when they don't wear a mask, you know, you're probably, you know, they're kind of, you're kind of people. <laughs> you can identify them so much faster. <laughs> so, yeah, and NLP is all about that. Taking every challenge and see what's the learning here for you. What needs to be healed? What needs to be looked at? And I believe every challenge has a blessing and we all can create heaven on earth because that's our birthright. And I think that's why we're all here together to support each other to do just that. So if you're curious about some tools or whatever, reach out, don't be afraid and always ask for help. You're not alone. We are together in this. Thank you, Linda. That was amazing. And, you know, she's right. And we are all local, Nelson, Tasman, Golden Bay, some a bit further afield. But, you know, we've got to keep this going. This is very, very important. Okay, our next speaker is, I've known her a long time, I used to groom her dog from years ago, um, Tracy Power. She's a Nelsonian and been a business owner and a holistic health practitioner. She's now a national merchant manager for the People's Choice, New Zealand parallel economy. This is exciting times. Travelling the length and width of New Zealand, bringing merchants and buyers together in community to trade and exchange on an alternative platform. This is what we need going forward. Welcome, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, beautiful people. Wow, what a great closer. What a great turnout. Um, and good old Nelson. So I'm here with the good news. Um, I've got some positive things to share of what we're we're doing here in New Zealand and Australia in Israel, and uh, it's all on. So before I just dive into it very quickly. I just want you all to really honour yourselves for 
getting this far. Um, I kind of liken it to the great awakening versus the great reset. You know, which, which side um, are you on? Where is your consciousness and uh, your heart? So um, back, back to the people's choice, a parallel economy that has been built for the people by the people. It's a digital coin like Bitcoin, but very different to Bitcoin. As we know, Bitcoin's been very much manipulated and uh, has been used to, to entrap um, people into the system. So a whole decentralized uh, new ecosystem platform that has its own currency anchored to the last highest price of gold. So it's not going to go down. It's always going to stay stable. Um, the coin is on the decentralized blockchain on your phone. So you can trade peer-to-peer -peer, uh, with, with businesses in your area. So we, I'm, I am traveling around the country sharing, sharing all of this information and um, looking for fabulous merchants. We're focusing on food at the moment, so we need great. We need growers, farmers, organic growers, um, cafes, restaurants, any distribution points where food um, occurs, so that when things do get rougher, and they are going to get rougher, I believe uh, the writing's on the wall. They need to reset. So um, I think we're going to be in for a rather big crash rather big. So we need to be prepared. Uh, we need to be organized. We need to all come together and, uh, you know, get to know your neighbors, get to know who the people in your community are. I, you know, a digital currency is not the end all and be all. There will be other eggs in your basket. You know, um, there'll be trading, there'll be um, bartering, giving and receiving, you know, local currencies, there's going to be um, different eggs in your basket, but a digital currency that will compete against the CBDC, which is the central bank digital currency, which I truly believe is what all the fiat will get turned into. Um, they'll either freeze the bank accounts or do a bail-in or do something that will, you know, render us all, um, you know, incapable of being able to trade and exchange and get our hands on our money for a period of time. Um, that CBDC, I truly believe, will be attached to the um, digital ID. So, and as we know, that digital ID will have the, um, the carbon credits and the social credits, and you can spend your money on this, but you can't spend your money on that, and you will own nothing and be happy. So, We've created something really, really special that is going to um, stand alongside this to give us all an alternative so that we don't have to be enslaved. I know that most of you are all, you know, over the last few years, you know, we've, we've been down the rabbit holes, we've been down the common law, the natural law, the equity law, you know, we're, we're all uh, learning and empowering ourselves that we are sovereign beings and uh, we are living men and women and that we have been entrapped. You know, who knew that everything that you were told <laughs> was a lie? Um, so now, you know, we need to um, come together 
as an alternative. You know, a, a strong economy will be a great foundation for a strong parallel society. So it's time that we just go, thanks, no thanks. You know, we don't like what you're doing. And the more of us that, that say, no, stop, we're not, we're not doing that, we're going this way. The more of us that do that, the stronger we become and the more powerful we are as we all stand together and build community. And if we can build community throughout New Zealand, you know, town to town to town to town, and then we can all interconnect and we have something that we can trade and exchange with and we save our businesses, we save our money out of the bank, we get it out and we put it into something we're going to be able to use that's tangible, then that's the, the great, great foundation for the new systems, you know, hospitals, healthcare, education, homeschooling, um, you know, food distribution. We can do it. We're all the smart ones. We can do it. I have, I have no doubt. We've just got to get organised and we can't be apathetic anymore. We're in the eye of the storm. We have this period at the moment where there seems to be quite calm. <laughs> um, people are travelling. It's like, ooh, you know, maybe things are nearly back to normal. No, <laughs> this, uh, it's about to get quite rough. So um, I'm all about bringing um, solutions and uh, ways that we're going to be able to do this. And um, the more of us that come together and do this, the better. So if it, if it sort of tweaks a little bit of curiosity for you, you want to know a little bit more about the, the project, um, I'm doing a talk tomorrow at five o'clock at East Street. You're all welcome to, to pop, pop along if you want to hear a little bit more about it. Um, we're, we're gaining huge momentum in New Zealand and uh, it's, it's exciting and it's so, so hopeful to have something that uh, we're all going to, that's going to be there for us so that we don't have to be entrapped. So thank you, hope to see you tomorrow. Thank you, Tracy. It's really important that we do have options going forward. We can't just think, oh, we can't fix it. Okay, our next speaker has um, been pushing the boundaries a little bit, which is great. We want lots of that. So, <laughs> Collingwood Mad Cafe owner, Nanga. Whoa! <laughs> I don't need to say a lot more. <laughs> I'll just tell this little bit. Yeah, why not? Appeared in the Nelson District Court on Monday. Showing off. No, no. Showing off. <laughs> Showing off. On multiple charges for selling and displaying alcohol without a licence. Driving in a dangerous manner. And failing to answer a court summons. Oh, naughty. <laughs> when the judge, Tony Zab, asked Nanga, how he pleaded, he said the charges did not apply to him as he was a non-resident settler. Yes. Tonight he'll share his story about standing up for truth free from the bias of mainstream media lens. Thank you. This one working? Heavenly high to our hearty spirited ones, which are all of us. 
I don't say hello anymore. It's just heavenly high when I greet anyone. <laughs> so I'll be brief, but back in 2019 when this COVID thing came about, <laughs> um, the police came, the first morning they came from Richmond because a few locals complained because I was open. And uh, what I was doing was painting a four-metre sign, which has been displayed in front of what was then the Mad Cafe. Truth be known, four metres high, and it still stays today. And um, then it rolled on, stirred the pot a little bit to the point I thought I'd turn it right over their heads. And... Um, on the 3rd of December, which was six years the day I opened the Mad Cafe, it became Stay Away Cafe for a few weeks. And then it, then I changed it a month later to Stay Awake, just by changing a Y into a K-E. And, and then having the Love, Vib the Love Vibration Festival, it became the Safe Heavenly Haven, and that's what it is today. So it's a bit of a hub for the hearty spirited ones to attend and play, sing, laugh and dance. So we're mad because we're music, art and dance and we're making a difference. And we are all our masters ascending, ascending divinely. And that's what we're all doing here now. Um, they thought they arrested me. Well, they arrested my fridge first in lieu of me. <laughs> I just happened to be over in Wellington with my beloved Juju and um, these SFIs, as I call them, the stupid, foolish idiots, with their SMUs, shit made up. <laughs> and um, <coughs> so they had a warrant for my arrest, three of them, I reckon, for about 20-odd days, kept on missing me. I wasn't hiding, I was just doing what we do. And eventually, on a Tuesday closed, they came and they premeditated it all, parked the car around the corner, so there was no witnesses. <clears throat> I don't do the martial arts, but I didn't apply it. <laughs> well, I did the judo bit. The, um, so when I had my back, turn slightly putting the hose down these two SFIs from Tarkika the local boys in blue uh, they, they grabbed me by behind and this is straight away back in Wellington at the protest how they just abused all these peaceful loving people speaking up and we saw all that how they abused them and injured them so they they trained they've been doing a course for it all and <laughs> So the first thing they did, they, they grabbed, grabbed both my wrist, and this other one that kept on missing me tried to show off to his sergeant, and he got a bit of a bully, and so he was seconds away from breaking my left wrist. He pushed it as hard as he could, and he, as he whacked it, I, I, I rolled it with a judo roll on my elbow, and I was tempted, but I didn't. <laughs> um, and then the arm as well, he was only so close to dislocating my shoulder. 
Um, and then they took us over the hill and put us in the cell for three hours and I had to go and see this little judge open a screen and I says, no, I don't want to sit on the screen. You, I, I am led to believe. So you don't actually uh, claim or accuse them. There's a good video I saw is, could it be? Could it be they kidnapped me, not arrested me? And so th I was, I was led, led to believe, uh, what was I saying there now? <laughs> Yeah, I was led to believe your screens there can well be manipulated, and I want to, I want what I say to be recorded on your, on the records, for and on the records, and I cannot trust your screens. So um, when I went there the other day, uh, there was another request. The re the first request that I do not wear mask, and um, I will not be shot by you or anybody, and. And um, and that was that was a request there. And then it was, I'm only coming over there um, to keep the peace. Um, to what did I say there? Um, to bring remedy. And to, yeah, to settle the matter and bring remedy. I'm not worrying about your, your charges, but I'm just doing that. So. Um, yeah, so I haven't been in the courts for over 20 years, but uh, they're bloody bullies and they will try to trick you in any which way they can. And when they wanted me to plea, there was no case to plea because I said, I do not consent to contract and joinder and I'll waive all benefits offered. I said that three times to them, which could almost take them out. And then he says, plead. So when you ever get caught up in traffic fines, whatever, when they say plead, you don't plead. I said to him, non ex factum, which then I, in case he didn't know, but he did know, all the judges know, that means this is not my deed. And I, and I made that very sharp and clear. And he said, oh, that's a whole lot of nonsense. I said, no, it's the truth. Then I fought on to say, have you seen and read my declaration of truth, my affidavit. And he says, and it was 42 um, clauses in that. And, that. and that's my word. I don't have to say anything else. It's all, all written down. It's all in, in the truth. And he said, oh, it's a whole lot of nonsense. So I, I, and, and I said, no, it's the truth. And, and he says, if you interrupt me once again, because I did it a couple of times, he, he was going to put me back in there, put in a cell like he did with my little support person. So the thing is, when you're in the court, you are in charge, not the court. I only come under, under one, and that's God. God's law, natural law. Not this maritime law that's all lost at sea. I don't consent or contract to that. And I was making that clear. Because on their laws and regulations that's their, their maritime these titanic society that they have i'm the captain of the love boat <laughs> and and to to, do, to create the love boat i used to have a um a trust a charitable trust for over 10 years so i the register got rid of that and got rid of my id number Career of anything really to deal with this Titanic society. To to the point now, 
they don't going to try to take my license and my, my no, maybe not my license. I haven't got a license. Um, <coughs> I don't need a license to drive a car. I just need a key. Um, <laughs> and so this is my new number plate. It's a crown, but it's it's a different crown. It doesn't come under. There are different types of crowns. There's a crown of England, uh, and the crown of Scotland and Britain. The English and the Scottish one is what's messing us all up. And, and there's the Tudor crowns, but there's the crown of God as well. So there's be a few in Golden Bay will be driving around with number plates like this. And once we get a quite a few, 20, 30, 50, couple of hundred, maybe a thousand, um, they're not going to stop us all. And, and this is legit. The, um, this is a private number plate. It's only the reason I have a number plate because I might have this, well, my car's a bit different, it's painted. But, but I might have a white car that looks like your white car, so best to have a number so we can identify the difference between them. And we don't need to register a car. I don't register anything. Um, in, in, um, in the love boat... <laughs> in the love boat, we don't do rules and regulations. We work on guidelines and recommendations. That's the difference there. So now these SFIs kind of want me to go back into their court, but you don't go into the Masonic cage. So I was very close to having it dismissed because that little fella up, the judge, what's he, Tony, whatever, he um, he just walked out of the just walked out of the room, and I could have, I missed the opportunity to dismiss the case then, because he he had my support person, that was a bit of a play really, had him put out to the cell. So I turned around to say to, to Tony, uh, I said, you, you are breaching his civil liberties. And I spoke quite loud and I turned around, there's no judge there. <laughs> wasn't, a, wasn't the media didn't really put it out right. It um, wasn't a 10 minute recess. He was in his cell for an hour and I was out, outside there for more than an hour. I had other things to do back in Golden Bay. Didn't need to be sitting around there. But they, they're going to be fined. And I said to him as well, it's a $50,000 fee for me to appear in your court um, because I'm coming in under the duress. So they get an invoice of all this now. <laughs> and, uh, I, I gave a notice of liberty, um, liability, not liberty, a, not a notice of liability to um, Rose Governor. She's the sheriff. She's like manages the services of the courts, not just Nelson, but also in Marlborough and West Coast. So she has some powers in the court as such. So I've been going back and forward with her a bit. To the point, um, I requested a urgent, a special urgent meeting as soon as possible, like tomorrow. And um, in, a, in a quite a drafted up letter, Took a while, but she did respond and said, we'll have a media, um, like a Zoom, we'll have a robot, what do you call it, a robot participation, in other words, a Zoom. So I agreed to the time of three o'clock on the Monday, on, which on Monday those fellas came and kidnapped me. Um, I think it was, no, no, it was a Tuesday. Um, 
Yeah, so I had it on, on my computer, the and it, she set up, and these FFIs in blue, I said to them, look, I'll show you, there's no need to go to court, so I've, I've got this meeting at three o'clock to settle the matters. And then um, they wouldn't allow me to even, they wouldn't allow me back in the, in, in on the love boat because I knew I was going to trespass them, but I, they wouldn't let me buy my, go and buy myself. So, um, and then I said, are you here to um, help me or harm me? Yeah, within five minutes, no, we're doing the harm. I don't, I don't do doctors, I don't do hospitals, and I don't do ambulances. Um, but in this case, I, I did go to the doctors to get an ACC claim on my wrist because I may need it down the track. So, I've, so that's pretty well brings on those, the court case stuff, but we, we've got this. We the people, we've, we've got this case. Through equity, natural law, um, the common law, there's, you can't really mix them around too much, but it's the, the equity and the, and the natural law, and it's this non-resident settler. Then I'm not, see this, he called out this McKinney fella, Mr. McKinney, that's not me. My mother, father might have called me that. Might be on your driver's license. Um, but I, <laughs> uh, uh, I, so I said, I'm, no, I'm Nanga. I'm the non-resident settler. I'm the executive principal to the estate of the person, the thing, the entity, the dead entity that you seek. Kelvin Paul McKenney. <laughs> and so that was on the record, and that's the key thing that now I've got that in their cases. And um, I followed up and said as well, on top of that one, um, that I was, I was the executive's principal, and I was also, what was I doing? I was waving. Uh, I was trying to think of the words I got it. I had my prop in the court. That's all I took in the court was this. Because they try to distract you, so you want to you want to keep focus on, on where, what you're going to deliver. So I, I kind of had this on me. So I'm pretty confident now I've got I've got a good support person, Fiona, and I've got pop up in the up at top of the north. It's all on the equity. So yeah. We we're gonna we're gonna sort them out. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and and just another thing here that we've got for the people by the people 1999 in the or 96 for a natural election i formed a political party called united society us put together by us for us and run by us had 40 um policy platform policies one was an honesty policy and the 40th policy was a peace policy, covered 120 odd issues in society. It was all there with a constitution and, and the whole, it was all laid out. The electoral commissioner was begging me to register, then I about to do it, I had candidates and all, and when I was about to deliver it in the post, the voiceless voice, Metatron, good mate, got outside the void, um, says, do not go into the Mighty Circus. 
So I, I phoned up and cancelled and she kept on begging me, this is going to change politics for the good forever. I says, no, you, the people are not ready for this. It'll, it'll come back when the soil is more fertile, which is pretty well coming up now. So we could have the United Society, but there's a lot of other political parties starting to form now. I mean, you don't register into the um, Titanic Society, into the system. You create a new alternate. And um, we could have United Society Alliance, the new USA. <laughs> so you might see a lot, lot of these coming around in the, in the weeks and months to come. <laughs> I think it's very important that we consider, I feel very strongly that 2020 was the last time that the political system ever had an opportunity of working. We are way beyond that now. But that's just my personal thing. We need that for the next tour, is how do we change the system and develop our constitution, etc. So we've... We've got a couple more speakers and then uh, we've got supper and other good fun stuff. Um, so we have got Joanna Plows. Joanna, I have known for a long, long time. She's 25 years in the Green Party, including running the Nelson office. And actually in 2020, I'll just jump in there, and I said, Joanna, really? Are you going to get into this? vaccine jab thing that they're threatening to do us with that was 2020 right and she said oh no we'll keep trying we'll keep trying anyway it was so good to see her on christmas eve completely awake because she was banned in november by unconsulted unconsulted declaration no unvaxxed members to attend conferences meetings or events yeah. This is the watermelons, remember? Green on the outside, red on the inside, with little toxic things in there that they haven't been tested yet. She was on the ex local executive organising branch for operations and activities. She's now lost most of her green friends and contacts and personal friends. And... She also did an amazing job for us. She spent two and a half weeks at the Freedom Village in Wellington, um, including with some work with Voices for Freedom. But Joe took some cash, Joanna took some cash that we raised to Wellington because it was just after the um, cyclone went through. And um, she sh she'll share her story about where that money gets spent as well because it's beautiful. Okay, Joanna, thank you. Kia ora koutou. Um, I'm just feeling a bit <laughs> uh, uh, bad. I just feel my, my pain is not nearly as much as some of the former speakers and many people I've talked to and, and, and at Freedom Village. Um, but uh, but it, it still goes on and it's still I'm still grieving. Um, spending 25 years thinking I was 
doing really well and, and trying to do the best I, I felt I could to make change um, for, for, for um, the community. Um, but uh, and, and last year, I suppose, um, as Anne said, I still felt, you know, uh, maybe like the lockdowns are a good thing. Yeah, we will hunker down, lock down, and um, yeah, yeah, so that we try and um, lim limit the spread of this disease. But that all drastically changed, as Anne said, yeah, yeah, um, uh, last year. And um, the main thing was, uh, being so involved with the Green Party, um, it was November last year when that, I call it an edict, came out. I couldn't believe it because up till then, uh, Green Party had all been about consultation, all our policy and everything, comes out to members. That's what we loved about Green Party. And we could all have a, a choice and, and uh, I mean, a say, and it went back. Um, this was such a shock, um, yeah, fi finding that had happened. Uh, and then uh, I, f I found suddenly I couldn't attend conferences, meetings, I didn't go to policy conference March, and um, uh, th this weekend they've had a provincial AGM at Mapua, some really interesting speakers and that too, and I just know they'll all be there, and uh, yeah, um, I can't help it, I still grieve, because that was my, my uh, uh, whānau kākariki, they were, they were very close to me. Um, but I know I've made the right choice um, in what, what uh, my new life journey is and uh, getting to know my new tribe and Voices for Freedom. Um, the the uh, thing was, uh, I couldn't, the, the main thing was too that I couldn't even go to the Greens Christmas party, um, which was at the barbecue area at Tahuna Nui Beach. I offered to sit two metres apart and wear a mask. No, Joe, you need a Vax Pass. I thought, 25 years? <laughs> Excuse me, you know. <laughs> I felt I was going a bit mental here, but um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that, that was good. That rubbed it in a bit more. And um, anyway, I joined Voices of Freedom. I welcomed the Picton Convoy through when they came um, to Nelson. Climbed in my car afterwards and thought, got to go join them. Drove over to um, Picton, slept in the back of my little Honda for the first time. And that was fine. Met some amazing people. Came back to Nelson and just feeling so unsettled. For the first time in Aotearoa, I felt a prisoner in my own house. Couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't ever, even have a cup of coffee anywhere. I thought, this is crazy. Um, I've got to go to Wellington. So next day, booked a ticket on Origin Air and uh, fl flew up, packed my pack and went up to um, Freedom Village. Didn't know how long it was going to be. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it that, that was an experience in itself. Got up there later in the afternoon. It was cyclone weekend that weekend, and um, yeah, my flight had been delayed and everything. Went to go to the backpackers, which we'd rung up the night before and said, oh, it's okay, we don't require a Vax Pass. But the young woman on that night, you know, she said, no, sorry, you're in the dormitory, you need a Vax Pass. So okay, where am I going to go? Um, since my partner died, I've been a Quaker, um, going to Quakers here for about three years. Um, I thought, oh, the Quaker house is across the road. I stayed there before when I went to a peace workshop once, um, twice. And uh, anyway, went over there, asked them, said, you got a Vax Pass? No, no, I haven't, you know. Door was shut. No room at the inn. Couldn't believe it. So got, got a um, bus down to Parliament Ground, sat outside for a while, amazed at the music and the sounds coming out of Parliament Grounds. I've never known Parliament Grounds like that before. All the, <laughs> all the 
six years of training when I used to run the Green Party office, you know, and I was on the on the inside of that building and now found myself on the outside looking in. Um, yeah, so I sat outside in the dark and an older woman came and said to me, oh, go and get something to eat from the tent. And also, um, yeah, I'm staying at a hotel where they don't require a Vax Pass. We're about three in Wellington, but it's about 100 bucks a night. Resigned myself to that. She said, oh, otherwise go and see admin in there. So I toddled off to admin, lovely Māori woman in there, Renee, told her my story. She said, come with me. Went just round the, down the corner and, and took me to the Wahine tent. And they uh, were a recovery place or a rest up place for mothers and babies at the village. And they had one spare room. It's quite a big tent. They had a spare room with an air mattress in um, at the back. And so you can sleep in there. We just require it during the day for the mums and bubs to come in, you know. So very grateful. Went in there. And that night, um, Anne, I'd been in a screaming rush to get to the airport the afternoon, and Anne had more or less thrown me a plastic bag with money in. I've got, got some donations here. I don't know how much is in it. Count it and, 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 and do, give it to Wellington. Do what you need to do with it. I counted on the plane, oh, no, in the tent that night, $855 and a $100 voucher for a pack of, say, nearly $1,000. I don't know how few hours you'd, you'd raise that money in, but you did bloody well. And uh, couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so slept in the, in the room that night, expecting next morning to have to go and find alternative accommodation. But no, the Wahine were lovely. Just said, no, you can stay. Stay as long as you, you need to. So in that case, I said to them, right, what do you need? The tent was in a hell of a mess, but donations just flowing in with um, in black plastic rubbish bags, um, all sorts of things, and, and you know, clothing, uh, nappies, um, all stuff for babies um, and, and, and mums um, coming in. And, and the Mahini were trying to sort it and get so... I said, gosh, what, what, do you, what do you need? We need storage bins. We need better lights in the tent. I said, right, here's $800. Go shopping. And, yeah, so we took off in, in Lucia's van and, and we, yeah, got, got all the things they need. They didn't even have a cooker. They were relying on people coming and saying, oh, would you like a cup of tea now? I couldn't even make cover for the mums and bubs. So we got a cooker and, yeah, got whatever they needed. And, um, yeah, the two ladies themselves had missed out on gumboots. A trailer load of gumboots had come during Cyclone Sunday, but it had gone so quick they missed out. I said, here's 50 bucks. You, you two go and make sure you, you get a pair of gumboots. Yeah, so that's where the Nelson money went. It could have gone round to the admin tent, but I knew they were getting tons of donations. And there was a need, you know, right under my eyes. And, and they were so grateful. So they managed to set up the tent for the rest of the time that, you know, um, I was there. Um, uh, recently, uh, just uh, two weeks ago, because um, I've been thinking I hadn't yet resigned officially from the Green Party, um, uh, somebody else, a friend of, uh, who, I, who I only met through this, um, all, uh, through the organisation, had when we were doing protests outside the Nelson Library that was being shut. We used to go every Wednesday and take um, a chair and a book and read, you know, for a couple of hours, and we had a petition there, free access for all to the library, and we did that for about two months. And I met another lady who'd been in the Green Party since 2002. And um, I rang her up uh, two weeks ago and said, I've got a statement here. Would you sign it? I said, I'm going back after five months. I'm going back to the Green Party because, you know, we are meant to have crawled away. We're not being acknowledged. Nothing's being acknowledged to, to what it is for us who have been loyal members all this time. Are we meant to just go away with, with you know, crawl into the cave and as though nothing's happened? 
So two weeks ago, I went to the, to the annual um, meeting report. I read through the co-conveners and the, the uh, membership secretary's reports, all about COVID and having to do Zoom meetings and that, nothing about um, you know the ones who'd been banned from the party. So I said, I want, um, I said to Sonia, we, we, we signed this together. We request this acknowledgement be included in the branch co-conveners and member secretaries' annual reports. Due to the Green Party's unconsulted policy of mandatory vaccination of members attending conferences, meetings and events, too long time uh, members devastatingly found themselves banned from the Nelson branch and the party. And uh, the co-convener promised me it would be in the minutes, and it was. Three days later, top of the minutes, and that went out to the whole membership for the whole area, the whole district. I wanted it at least acknowledged. Um, I don't know, I haven't been in contact, I don't know if other Green Party have done, people have done that elsewhere, you know, as well. Yeah, but I thought it's really important that you know, they need to know what's happened. Um, I think something we've got to keep in mind, though, is... Um, a recent statement, well, I actually read it in a statement that was meant to be a, was, well, and by Richard Prosser. Politics got us into the situation. Politics is not going to get us out of the situation. And I think we've heard tonight, you know, yeah, um, what's happened. Yeah, um, yeah it was all the different uh, um, uh, things we might be able to do, including uh, d different currencies and sustainability. Um, when I was in Wellington... Um, I took lots of photos. I'm not a professional. I just t take photos. I just want to say, um, I, I haven't, I, I, I'm just got to finish this off, but I'm doing a photo album of the village, uh, yeah, because I just thought, this is history, you know, what's happening here. So I've got about $150 worth of photos. This is only the first of many albums. So I've got, the, if people want to look at, and I thought, I'm just going to take them with me wherever I go, because I want people to realise, you know, it was a peaceful protest, it was ordinary Kiwis, one family, um, they were lovely, they had two signs, one was uh, with their young children, one in a pram, um, we, uh, Jacinda, hands off our children, yeah, uh, leave our children alone, and this was their other sign, and I liked that very much, and um, they had to go back up north, yeah, they had to, yeah, and so when they left, they said, would you take uh, t t take care of our sign and use it, so um, when I stood on the police barricades, each day we'd go for a certain time, or at night time, we'd all have our signs, and I had their sign and they did come back four days later oh we still got our sign yep they said here it is you know so they were back down for four days and then they 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 had to go so I got their sign and I carried it proudly on the plane back to Nelson <laughs> you know? yeah. I shouldn't perhaps say this but I'm, I'm quite a social person. I like to go clubbing Friday and Saturday nights. And two weeks before the mandates were lifted, I stood outside Bamboo Tiger with my sign. And the manager came out. I said, I am sick of these mandates, you know, and danced in the street with my sign, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just to, yeah, just to get a bit of normality back, try and get a bit of normality back again. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Oh, thanks, Anne. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Thank you. A big thank you for Joanna because this is huge. You know, being involved in a all I mean at the end of the day, what every political party is a cult. Did I say that? Anyway, thank you, Joanna. That's really amazing. Now look, we've just got our just before we come to our last speaker, just a reminder again, because this is the last of the tour, no matter whether you're here or you're watching online, 
sign up to counterspinmedia.com. I didn't say that very well. Let's do it again. Counterspinmedia.com website. Sign up, everyone. Okay, our last speaker is Angela McKenzie. She is a long-term Gold Star Counterspin supporter and has a few words to share. Thank you, Angela. Some of you, can you hear me okay? It's echoing a little bit. Some of you from the Nelson area may know me, you may not. I'm from uh, Marlborough. I'm, uh, I've got a vineyard just out of Blenheim. And when Counterspin came to, uh, to Blenheim after their North Island tour, I spoke briefly there about, about Counterspin and the good work that they're doing. They, they're actually my neighbours. And I've had the good fortune to be able to sponsor them for, the, for this tour and I was sponsoring them before the tour as well. And they're doing such good work, and I think you should give them another hand. <laughs> I've also had the pleasure of being able to sponsor NZDSLS, and my, my good friend um, Yasho or Caroline Wheeler convinced me that uh, our, our friend from the Mad Cafe needed needed a bit of help to get him through the court cases and I was able to sponsor him as a little bit as well. My vines don't care whether I'm vaccinated or not, but they do, <laughs> but they do care about where I spend my money and, it's, and, and that's good. Um, I've just yesterday attended a funeral of a gentleman in Blenheim and his partner said to me, it was so sudden, he had a sudden stroke. And I'm going to be attending another funeral tomorrow morning of a, when I say a young lady, she was only a year younger than me, somebody I knew for 50 years, and she had recovered from breast cancer, and then she suddenly died as well. And I don't know if you people have, uh, have your radios on, but the highway into Picton was closed all day today because of a hor horrific accident. And see the question mark on the counterspin sign. I asked the question, and I've always asked the questions, was there some medical event involved in this? And, and most people won't have the presence of mind to ask that question, but we need to ask those questions because we need to know the truth. Look, look at, hang on, I need to turn around here. Look at the words, the truth. I know my own truth because I've made some massive changes and everybody said, you've got the courage to do it. I haven't, I haven't got the courage, I've just lost my fear. So I challenge all you people, lose your fear and get the message out there and then we will have some freedom because the, 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 the fight for freedom is never lost. We just win some battles and we've just got to make sure that we keep at it and we keep on there. So my challenge to you people tonight is to say to yourself, I shall never, ever wear a mask again. I have never worn one except for, for once on an airplane and then I, then I took it off and uh, the air hostess said to me, um, you need to put your mask on. I said, I'm just ready for when the, the pilot runs out of air and I'll be flying this plane. 
Now, it's a very small world. We had a, I've forgotten her name, a lady talking about the people's choice. I just made, I call it an investment, call it a buy-up, whatever you like, in the people's choice on Friday over in Blenheim. And we did it uh, remotely through a young lady by the name of Sarah Jane. And if this works out, I'll probably be investing a little bit more because we've got a bit of a rough road to come and we need to be prepared. And it's a privilege to actually go last after all these wonderful speakers. And the message that seems to be emerging here is never, never, never let this happen to us again. Good night, people, and thank you for your time. Thank you, Angela. That was beautiful. Uh, now... I don't know where we. So is everybody in? Not outside. Good. I think um, that was our last of our speakers. What are we doing now? We're going to have our beautiful wrap up. So we're going to have um, Hannah and Calvin going to say a few words and do some bits and bobs, and we're going to have some supper and talking and. Revolution. So be in our truth. Be in our truth. And if you if you get feelings of fear or unsure, this look, connect with someone. You all if you haven't no don't know the person next to you, connect. Because we do need to be in this. We're in this together and we need to do this together. Okay, so these guys are amazing. I think they've been incredible. I'm just proud to be able to boss everyone around up here a little bit. Um, but a huge round of applause for Counterspin and the team. So that, um, thanks everyone again, put your hands together for Anne Fitzsimmon and the whole team here in Nelson for making this happen. Um, I did actually, just before we get on to our uh, massive thank yous that we have to do, there's one thank you uh, that I do want to give, or maybe two. Uh, first one is, I need to say thanks to Calvin, um, for coming along with me on this crazy trip. Uh, it took a lot of convincing after... Still is. After, yeah, he's still not convinced. <laughs> Um, after the amazing experience in Wellington and then the absolute low that it was, I was just, I just haven't felt that low for, I don't even know if I've ever felt that low, to be honest. Um, I had the flu and just seeing everything that happened after build up so great was just, it was heartbreaking. So that was an idea that came to me. Let's go on tour, let's get the bus and let's just go around New Zealand. And he just thought I was a complete lunatic. So do. Um, <laughs> But here we are, so I really, really am grateful that you stuck with it. Um, the amount of times that he wanted to ditch me and just take off. Yeah, barrier in a hill. I was looking at all the hills thinking I could get, I could get, get away with that one. Um, because it's not easy. You know, we've been on the road. Um, we've had to be at the mercy of um, so many people's hospitality, and it's been great. But you all know what it's like when it's not your own bed and it's not your own place. It's just, you know, it's difficult. So um, I really thank you, honey, for doing that. Um, 
can we please go on tour 2.0? Please, 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 please. please. <laughs> Maybe Piss off. Is it too soon? Too soon? Way too soon. All right, okay. We'll just recover from uh, this ordeal um, and then we'll regroup. But the question is, and I've been putting it to the last few groups, what do you guys think Counterspin should do? Because this is, after all, the platform for the people by the people. So my idea is um, to... You know that we're so with you. <laughs> Always. I think that we are all getting expert advice and expert information from overseas, right, and all these great people, um, and, and that's awesome. But how many stories are we getting from local New Zealand groups Cause, and communities? Because New Zealand media, we all know that sure. they're not doing a good job. Um, but we really have been touched by the amazing stories that we've seen along the way that we just haven't been able to capture all of them. We just, we've been so pushed for time. So my thought is um, that maybe after we've gone up the north to show them the bus because they missed out, but maybe we go and spend two or three or four weeks in each area, in each region, so we can actually get more stories from the community and actually broadcast the show and go back to doing two shows a week. So uh, put your hand up if you think that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. The other idea is what, Calvin? What, what, we don't have a home to go back to. We don't have a base. So what's your, what's your alternative? To give it to the people. Crawl into a hole. <laughs> okay, actually, put your hand actually, up. Actually, no, no, mine. Okay, you've got one. You've got one supporter. Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> mine is um, to reach the real men out there, the ones who have actually still got their balls and not confused about what biology they are. And, um, and all the cops out there who are good cops. I'm not talking about the scum that rises to the top who are curtailing your rights and freedoms. I'm talking about the ones who actually want to do something about it. Start arresting some prick. We have all the facts and evidence to put these pricks on trial. I call that parasite palace and they need a fumigation. Metaphor, people. <laughs> it's a need a few gation, I tell you. And um, we get told that's a call to violence. Well, you have the absolute right to self-defense. You are under attack, without a doubt. Shots have been fired into your damn arms and that. So, you know, when the judges are failing you, the cops are failing you, the military won't defend you, you can damn well defend yourself. You don't need permission to do that. So um, all the guys out there, protect your families and for God's sake, you protect those kids because that's one line they are not going across. So... Um and that's especially in light of uh, what they've done in the States this week, isn't it, with um, mandating or making, sure. the, making the vaccine jab available for the babies now. So it's just absolutely harrowing. Um, and that's, that's my passion in life is children and childcare. And when I was little, I always wanted to be a teacher. And then I ended up um, having my own childcare business before I started doing this. And I had to go under a pseudonym because obviously, you know, they try and shut down your business, attack you, all of that. Um, but the other thank you, special thanks before we get into our other thanks, is um, I have to thank my mum. I don't often talk about my family or my personal life, but my mum has uh, come down to all the way from up north. And um, if it wasn't for my mum and my parents, my, my biological father and my stepdad, I hate that word too, but you know, we, I came from, you know, they divorced when I was six. So I was lucky to have some amazing minds around me, uh, my stepmom as well, always questioning. They were my mum was baking sourdough bread before it was trendy on Ponsonby Road. Um, she was, you know, doing the whole grow your own sprouts and make your own tahini and 
Um, what else? We, we even had an outside bath with a fire, and that's even trendy now. We've had people on our travels go, oh, we've got this outside bath, a star bath. It's like, yeah, I grew up with that, okay. <laughs> but back then... But back then it was very embarrassing, you know, back then I was the odd one out. And, um, but it's great to see because the life that my parents um, tried to raise us in is a life that many people are going back to now. So um, I, could, I could complain a lot about my mum, but there's so much amazing things about my mum. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I wouldn't be able to stand here doing what I'm doing because she also introduced me to things like meditation when I was 14 and always free thinking and reading, you know, the Celestine Prophecy and the Power of Now and um, Ishmael before I was 20. You know, all these amazing books and amazing experiences that have given me the strength. Um, and then Calvin gave me that last little bit of courage that I needed to actually be able to do this because it takes years to get the courage and the belief in yourself and the ability to to discern right from wrong and to make sure that you know what you're saying is true because we're all swimming in, in lies constantly with mainstream media so I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my mum and um, like I said my dads and my brothers so um, I just want you all please f for me um, to give my mum who's here a massive round of applause. Yeah thanks for that Good stuff. Yep. Calvin talks a lot about his mum, so it was finally my turn to Because I'm a mummy. mummy's boy, <laughs> through and through. You know, that used to be, uh, um, well, and it used to, people used to use that as an indictment on you. Hell, I wear it as a badge of honour. My dad's a prick, but my mother, she's awesome. And she um, did have and a stroke. Watching, you prick. She had a stroke during the... Um, Tour when when I, when I we just spent the day like I was on the phone trying to get these new um, venues as they kept cancelling you know and then all these dramas were happening and then the, to top it all off when we finally got the third venue finally booked we got the news that Calvin's mum had had a stroke um, but thankfully she pulled through and uh, she went into surgery very quickly and um, she's actually fighting fit now by the sounds of it she just won't die yeah <laughs> um, so she'll be watching. But should we get on to the, the other thanks? Yep. So um, the other thanks, you know, this doesn't happen without all of you guys um, supporting us with your donations. And like we said, to all the people that have offered accommodation along the way, it's been amazing. Again, as well, like scrambling at times to find you all and like link up with you all. So sorry if we missed any emails or messages. And we thank all of you who did actually um, come out and support. Of course, we've got a massive crew, not only the people here on the ground, but the people at home helping us, Sarah, Sophie, Emily, um, doing the admins, Marion, um, and we've all, we also had Vinnie Eastwood at early on with his girl from Rebecca. Um, we had Barack who got thrown in the deep end um, with the cameras. He was pretty much here the whole way. Uh, so we'll start with the crew that's actually here. So we're going to invite them to come up. So um, Paris, as many of you will know, he's been driving the bus. He's been he's bringing the storm. He's had a nightmare, that bus. Honestly, if, if, if any of you saw what it, we started it with and to where it got to, like Mike and Leanne and the hours they put in to get that, to get, to get that up and running was just phenomenal. Then the decals. We haven't had the bus actually get fixed until um, probably like, was it just after Invercargill? Do you want to say, Paris? Do you want to say a little word? Yeah, come on, mate. Come on up. No need to be shy. Give Paris a round of applause. Uh, it's still not fixed. 
but <laughs> but uh, James, who's in the group tonight, he's uh, offered to give me a hand tomorrow. So um, we're going to be pretty good tomorrow. So uh, it's, it's just exhaust break, it's nothing major. But uh, it does make the bus run nicer. <laughs> yeah, so Paris has done a great job driving and getting the bus from A to B, and sometimes we've had to be delayed. And uh, he's driven through snow, he's driven through storms. When we were driving it, the bloody side mirror like fell off. and <laughs> We actually thought we wouldn't get to Nelson in one piece. We thought everything would be... But anyway, it's, it's, you've done a great job, Paris, um, and you. we really appreciate everything you've done. And uh, this is just a very small token of our appreciation for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 20,000 bucks. <laughs> um, you don't drive that bus, you wrestle it. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Paris. <laughs> yeah, it's a 1981 Mitsubishi Fuso, so a uh, real retro beast. Uh, doesn't have any suspension in the seat, so his back's kind of been put out a little bit. Going to Metal Grass, just missing the turrets. Yeah. Uh, the next person we would like to thank joined us from Pi here. He uh, just met us and he was like, right, I'm going to come on the uh, tour with you guys and I'm going to go up and rally the troops. So if we, you could please welcome Arthur. Come on down. <laughs> uh, he's also known as Gandalf. Or... Um, he just missed out on the follow-up to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been great. He's, uh, he's been, yeah, like I say, rallying the troops with Paris and the bus, handing out flyers before we get there, helping with set-up. Arthur, would you like to say a few words? Yeah. Hello, Nelson. I was there two year, three years ago for a couple of years, and this is the greatest town in New Zealand. <laughs> this is the end of a trip. Which has been marvellous in so many ways. The thing I always remember about this is that it started with a mandate over the vaccination and the, that sort of thing, but it morphed into something else. And this started in Wellington. The vaccine injured. And that number is exploding. And there's so many people out there lost and lonely and confused because they can't, they don't really know. And they've been ignored by family and doctors and everything. And these meetings have brought a lot of those people together and it's given them a boost and it's lifted them up again because they're not alone. And I bet there's people in here feeling that way at the moment. And I think that has been the greatest thing that's happened on this trip. People feel, you know, they feel much stronger now after coming to these things. And Anna, go on. No worries, but We've got to keep it going. Yes. We've got to keep it going. We've got to get bigger. Awesome. That man is a wealth of knowledge. If I could just get him to articulate a little bit better, I think he's going to do great hours and hours of interviews. <laughs> <laughs> um, he took us around uh, in Hamilton and showed us all the corruption down there with the um, the selling of the water and and the, the council yeah, and the hub of the um, political department there that spawned people like Helen Clark and Jacinda Ardern and everything. So we, we, we've had some good good combos with old Arthur. Uh, the next person that we would like to welcome up um, is, I see who she's trying to hide, is Lisa. <laughs> um, if she doesn't want to come up, she doesn't have to. I won't force her. But the great thing about Lisa is um, maybe... Yeah, she's amazing. She's she's the first time I heard about Lisa was um, when I was in Blenheim streaming the 
protests and Calvin was already in Wellington. And we'd heard about these people that were bringing us some core uh, flute billboards, basically, all the way from Kerry Kerry uh, with Counterspin. And we, we, hadn't, we didn't have budgets for printing stuff or um, banners or anything like that. But um, it was Counterspin Media, you know, was our logo. And then, because I had kept saying absolutely all the time, I got into this thing of saying absolutely on screen, and Calvin kept giving me a lot of grief about it. So she bought, bought down all these signs, and one special one had absolutely on it. So that was my little special thing. Um, and so she then, when she heard we were going on tour, because her and her parents love Counterspin, she decided to volunteer, and she has been phenomenal. She bought a camper van to come on tour. Um, she's driven through snow over the gorges. She hates it. She's scared. It's scary for her. She's done such a great job. She's faced her fears. She's finding her courage, and um, she's just helped with hearing all the stories down there and helping Dana with the merchandise. It's just, Lisa, we're just so grateful you joined us. Thank Incredible. you so much. It's been an amazing journey, honestly, the people that we've met along the way, the stories that we've heard, the courage and the, the people that um, are standing up and, and that's what I've seen as people standing up outside of their comfort zones, their courage, not knowing what actually is c coming. And um, they've just been amazing. It's all about the people. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Okay, and of course, uh, you all know Dana. She's done an amazing job helping us coordinate things and just um, keep the tour on track and everything. So, Dana, if you could please come forward. We'd love to have you back up here. You've been a, a strength. She's, she's one of my best friends. I absolutely love her. I don't know what I'd do without her. So, everybody put your hands together for Dana Lee. You know, there's a sense of sadness that this uh, is the last one. However, the way I'm looking at it is, it's just the end of phase one. And uh, let phase two uh, begin. Um, I'm going to keep it brief. The, remember who you are. We hold the power. We bow to no one and we never fold. Not ever. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> All right, and the next person uh, that we need to uh, welcome up to the stage, well, we were contacted this time by um, Team Zulu, and he said, how can I help you? Uh, maybe we I can help you get other feeds from other platforms onto your platform and so we can get different programs out. And he came down to the studio, was basically thrown in the deep end. I think at this point we were doing, I think we did the election special like for three days. Calvin actually had a stupid idea that time. He wanted to stream live for 72 hours. So um, we did that and uh, we threw this man in the deep end. He is the genius behind Counterspin. He makes it work. He's got a phenomenal um, work ethic. He's got expertise coming out, the yin-yang, um, and his poor wife has had to deal with him living in his cave for eight, nine months now, um, just, you know, 
doing 18 hour days, his mad genius, you know, cables everywhere, legs touching everything and arms everywhere. Yeah. Um, he's taken the whole thing to the next level with um, the support of you guys giving us our tech upgrade. So please um, put your hands together for Team Zulu and his wife, Chris. Hopefully if he's away from there for five minutes, it won't all crap out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why they dragged me up here. I'm they still, didn't know if this I, was going to happen. I'm, I'm still trying to learn to um, walk and chew gum at the same time, which is why I leave the talking to them. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, yeah, I mean, just 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 the whole voyage, the whole trip, um, from beginning to end, and seeing so many people and the and the welcomes that we've had along the way, and of course. The support that this one here. Well, just supporting him and everyone. You got to talk. Yeah, you say. Now, yeah. I'm just supporting my husband and everyone here in the team. I'm always in my small house in the caravan. <laughs> yeah. So we've dragged her out. I think she thought we were all a bit mad at first uh, for the oh, last. She still does. Oh, she still does. Yeah. Especially me. But um, but now she's she's. And, you know, her and Justin and the whole team are in our hearts and um, we've become one big family, you know, and it hasn't always been easy, as you can all imagine, but I think we've just had such a great time, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Even it's crazy most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to see beautiful parts of the country. Yes, I love yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And now you're looking forward to going back home? Very. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you for lending us your husband yeah. and uh, for coming along. And uh, we couldn't have done it without you both. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's the Counterspin family. And, um, yeah, it's just people. People are what makes it. You know, our team makes it. You guys make it. And um, you guys are worth fighting for. And um, I've said this before. We're not going to stop. I don't care what they throw at us. They can send their propaganda machine after us or whatever, but we're not going anywhere. So, Calvin, do you want the last word? Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> we will be going back to regular shows as well. Uh, we've got, I've got Damien DeMence and Brad Flutie probably joining me. We'll be doing a, a show called Man Talk. Uh, that's where real shit's discussed. And um, Hannah will be creating one called Awakening View. She'll have a female panel so we can have both sides. Although she's probably got more boils than most of the blokes I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to bringing those to you. And we're also going to do a half-hour daily show when we can of, we're going to call it Not the Six O'Clock News, after the old Not the Nine O'Clock News, um, where we're going to take the headlines that mainstream media put out and then we're going to smash them to pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you all for coming. Uh, we really appreciate you. Yeah, because we can't do it without you. So... Um, this is your platform. We won't sell out. We won't back down. We'll never yield. And no matter what attack dogs they uh, bring at us, we'll bite back harder. Thanks very much. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network, at band.video.